Hey, how's the form? It's Saturday night. Uh, my name is Michael McQuaid. We're live for the Crack Boys ahead of week eight. Uh, delighted to be joined by Colin Malawish's Cronin, Brian Matcha Today O'Leary, and last but not least, Mark Strictly Come Dancing Cockerel Boys. Happy Saturday night. How are we all doing? Very good. Uh, enjoying the uh, the birthday celebrations. The Irish NFL show celebrates its uh, its first uh, year in existence, and uh, yeah, we're here. We are live live on a Saturday night. Brian, this day last year, what? Well, th- this time last year. Uh, look at us. Look at the shape of every one of us. Uh, maybe Brian, I could have had a shave before the first show, but uh, it's it's been a long year, Brian. I'm just glad Mark finally got to clean up the uh, rubbish in the background. You had me reminiscing today, Michael. I saw that episode this morning. I even clicked in and watched five minutes of it. And uh, yeah, let's just say we've come a long way since that first episode. And I was trying to remember the best moments because there's been quite a few. I don't know whether it was the World Shed or the, the live show the Saturday night in, in, in London leading up to the games of Tottenham, being in the media area, or whether it was the, the night in which Mark said that if Jesus Christ was the quarterback for the Seahawks, Seahawks the Giants still would you know, the Giants still wouldn't win, but they did win. Um, there was some thousand uh, ah, ah. <laughs> So um, I'm sure you have something something lined up for tonight. I don't. There's a clippy video on Twitter right now with a few images. Maybe, and this is the thing, like, I guess tomorrow I'll have some time. Maybe we'll whip up a video. I, my favourite moment, Mark, is whenever Rich Eisen says Brian O'Leary. I, I can't control myself, but look at that rubbish in the back, man. I never even realised that tonight. That wasn't, <laughs> it, that it, wasn't rubbish. That was just a story <laughs> space. I was hiding away from my family, obviously. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, we've had some great, I mean, great moments, great guests. Yeah, when Rich Eisen goes, yes, Brian, yes, Brian. That, that was, <laughs> that, that's up there, to be honest with you. But, um, look, it's been an absolute ball for last year, Michael. Well, I can't believe in your video compilation, your thanks on Twitter, which I've just added a few extra names on, is when you start going through all the people we've had on, and I corrected you on a few, like about 20 other people you hadn't mentioned, um, and I know I've still missed people off that list as well, it uh, really just amazes you how far it's gone in a year. And look, bigger and brighter and better. Uh, We're already planning and building up to the playoffs and the Super Bowl next year already working on the new and further guests to come on during the season and everything. And the sky continues to be the limit. And obviously, massive thanks to everyone who's watched, tweeted, commented, supported, bought the merch, done whatever in relation to it. We really massively appreciate it all. Michael, sorry. Sorry, I agree 100% with Mark. I'm just going to have a picture again, if you don't mind sticking it up there. Yeah, absolutely. Because Colm's had a busy year. You know, he's... Bought a house and moved, and he's obviously he know, got some new plants. He's he's taking it easy on the trips to the garden and center, but it looks like since he's moving into the house. <laughs> well, Colin, I obviously just before go just just before go back to Colin, the Irish NFL show presented by Massbrook Betting Exchange uh, and Trust Gaming, and we have a giveaway tonight. It ends at midnight, and Brian's picking the winner before he goes to bed. We're giving away a gamer chair, a headset, and a copy of NFL Game Pass. But thanks to GamerStore.ie, uh, Colin. Very quickly, uh, obviously, I know you have a lot of memories over the last year. Ivan Nikolov, Marty, just liked the show, liked the live tweet. She must be very happy because in between our last show, Packers get the win. Did somebody predict the Packers on Thursday night, boys? I'm just putting that out there. Colin, I'll yeah, do it for Aaron Rodgers. In, 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 indeed. Um, you, kudos, Michael. 
Um, but as as uh, I, I think if we had a look at our records and we compared them to Lindsay Jones's five-year-old, um, I think we'd all see that we in 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 and around. I think that's the beauty, genuinely though. I think that's what's really interesting about the NFL is that it really is any given Sunday, Monday, or Thursday. Um, but it is the case that you know, team, any anyone can beat anyone. Look, the Jets did a number on the the Titans a few weeks ago, and I think that's what makes this league so interesting. Is that you can think. You know, and they're going to put a beat down on them, and yeah, sometimes it 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 does happen. But uh, it it is the case that on the on the right occasion, it can go any which way. Yeah, Michael, dare I bring up you picked the Jets the week before, so the expression about even a blind squirrel can find a nut from time to time does kind of ring true. But fair play to you for picking them, and even more fair play to Matt Lafleur and the Green Bay Packers for uh, a pretty impressive team display. Team being the operative word there, it was not an Aaron Rodgers salvage job. It was a great team performance. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, can I just thank everybody watching us as well? Uh, not just tonight, but over the last year, it's been incredible. There's nearly 50 people watching this now on Twitter. There's people watching on Facebook, on YouTube. If you want to comment on the live show tonight, we'll try and get them in. We're going to go through every game ahead of week eight. Uh, your best bet is to comment on YouTube or on Facebook. Uh, that's where we can put the chats up on the screen because Twitter haven't worked it out yet. Uh, Brian, have you had a dad there? Sorry, did I fall No, I was just going to say, it was a bit of an unusual game in, in many ways because the Packers were so deserving of the win. Like They were by far the best team throughout the game, for, you know, pretty much for the entirety of the four quarters. And they let the Cardinals back in to a certain extent. And then in the end, it took an interception with less than 20 seconds to go to see off the Cardinals. And they could have, we've seen teams lose games this season where they've walked away saying, we really should have had that one. And watching it on Friday morning and they were driving down, I, I felt this is a good game that the Packers going to, potentially lose and they'll look back on it because it was such an opportunity to get the four seed thankfully for the Packers and, and, Brian, and the interception. Sorry, I was just going to say it felt a little bit like the Hale Murray game last year where the cards had no right in winning it but they kind of purloined it out of somewhere it just felt like they were going to steal it but you're absolutely right they didn't in the end AJ Green wasn't on the right page and say sad you know Packers march on and the Dolphins 1973 Dolphins pop some more champagne again Absolutely, absolutely. Week eight of the NFL season, boys. Week eight, we're almost there. We're almost sitting outside a taco joint at four in the morning in LA after Super Bowl. No, okay. Well, we can't talk about. Okay, right. We'll 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 come back to that. Not just yet. Okay. Again, just a reminder of how far we've come, boys. Uh, Yeah, yeah. But but Michael, I can assure you, I won't be sitting outside a taco joint at any point. So just to be clear. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Not that he's aware aware of anyway. Let's just start off. Colin, thank you for your comment. Uh, well done on great years, lads. And this is the problem with Twitter. I can't say who the person's name is. At DC Twit Woo. Can the Dolphins get within 30 points of Buffalo? We'll find out. Uh, and we'll come back seeing a couple of Falcons tweets. Let's go straight into it. Uh, Carolina Panthers, three and four. Going to the Falcons, three and three. Colin, who have you got for NFL week eight? I'm not going to say today or tomorrow. Who have you got for the sake of the podcast this week in the NFL? Well, um, isn't it nice in, in some ways that we are week eight and we're still not at the halfway point of the, the season, given it's 17 games. But if we take the Matt Ryan's last four games, 10 touchdowns and one interception, Sam Darnold's last four games, four touchdowns, seven interceptions. 
that's kind of the the state of the franchise. If you're if you're the Panthers, um, they you tried bringing in PJ Walker, didn't get any better. And if you're the the Falcons, well, Kyle Pitts, he, 471 receiving yards, the most by a tight end, a rookie tight end through six career games in uh, NFL history, um, back to back hundred yard games. The Falcons really fighting out that just line them up and just put the ball up there. They've tried uh, opposing teams, tried safeties on, tried corners, tried moving linebackers over to, to help out. Um, what What is magnificent about Kyle Pitts is that you see him at the podium and he has like glasses on and he looks like he could be at a spelling bee or a maths contest. And then he goes out in the field and he makes these absolutely ridiculous um, catches. So... For the the Panthers, you would you you would have to say that the worry is Darnold hasn't been doing it. They've given up a huge number of sacks, twenty two in total, which thirtieth in the league. But the good news is the Falcons aren't great at rushing. They're thirtieth in terms of getting to to the quarterback. So if the Panthers are to kind of have um, any any hope, it's it's probably on the the Falcons' defense. And it will be fascinating, I think, to see um, Kyle Pitts up against Jeremy Chin. Um, I think the the the, fa- the Panthers are on the slide. I think this will be a relatively close game, given you know um, the, the the Falcons will score points but will give up points. So the Panthers, you know, will probably will hopefully be able to to keep it com- competitive. But I have the Falcons going to four and three after this, and the Panthers falling uh, to three and five. Colin has touched on the fact that Sam Darnold has kind of regressed back to what we saw from his days with the Jets. But for me, the more disappointing aspect is, is the defense because after the first three weeks of the season, when they were three and zero, they had the most sacks in the season. Sorry, most sacks in the league. And since that that period, does the, the four weeks since then, they've had the least sacks in the league. So they've literally gone from being arguably one of the best defense in the league to one of the worst. And that obviously hasn't helped by the fact that the offense is playing so poorly. And then the flip side with the Falcons, like two players that we didn't see in London, wide receivers, Gage, really, they both had touchdowns last weekend. You know, so it was great for, for Matt Ryan to have them back. And you touched on Kyle Pitts. I think we're gradually starting to see the player that we all expected when he was drafted. At the moment, he's on pace for 1,300 yards, and that record hasn't been has been broken since 1961, which was done by Mike Dickens. So if he keeps going the way he's going, he's going to break all sorts of records. I'm with Colin. Um, so the danger with the Falcons is, you know, the Falcons are the kind of team, we pick them, and then they just let us down. Like Mark says about don't back the Vikings and little, little things like this, the Falcons are in a very similar. But I felt last week, having been in situations last year and this season where they've thrown games away, last year was an important one, the fact that they drove down at the end and won the game. The momentum is building. They went tomorrow to four and three. They've still got a sneak of a wild card, even at this stage of the season. So for me, I think the Falcons will win. If the Falcons do win um, tomorrow, it will be the first time since the end of 2017 that they've actually had a winning record. Like, that's how deep their despair has been over the last few years. They've never, not even 1-0, not even 2-1 at any point in that, since the end of 2017, which, of course, was also the last time they made the playoffs. If they do go to 4-3 and three, and they continue to gel and they continue to slowly improve as the season goes on, as in fairness they've done in other seasons past, they're still right in the wildcard hunt in the NFC. So this is a big game for them to not have a letdown against the Panthers, who I agree with the boys are going in the wrong direction at the moment. Last week against the Dolphins, Dion Jones actually uh, in the defense, which has been disappointing, 
really made a difference. I mean, he was everywhere. It was like there was two of them on the field at the same time. And when I look at the other side of this matchup, when I look at the Panthers, one but can't help wonder and think about the great quote machine that was George W. Bush uh, when he gave the famous uh, speech in Tennessee where he said, there's this famous saying in Texas, uh, I'm sure you've got it in Tennessee as well, but there's this famous saying in Texas, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. And he suddenly realized what he was about to say and he just goes, a fool man can't get fooled again. And he, goes, he didn't want to say shame on me. But for Sam Darnold as a starting quarterback in the NFL, it is very much a case of fool me once, shame on you, New York Jets. And has he fooled the Carolina Panthers? He's had a lot of disruption on the offensive line, but the last three games have been bad, Sam Darnold. I don't see good Sam Darnold suddenly breaking out. I'm with the boys on this. Falcons all the way, four and three, above 500. Go Hawks. Go go Falcons. Dream again. Dream again. Go, go Dirty Birds. Oh, oh, and don't forget, tomorrow could be a massive game. Depending on the game tonight, the Braves could be playing later on that night to win the World Series in baseball. So, Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I, I, I know Brian's a big baseball fan, so we'll get back to the World Series chat in a minute. Obviously, the great to see the Braves win over the Houston Astros. Astros. A big shout out to D Orlando. Can you believe it's uh, two weeks, three weeks since we had D Orlando in London together? That was great crack, boys. Ever since you know we were in London, the Falcons have looked cool, man. They've looked really, really good. You're seeing guys come at that podium, Cordell Patterson, Mike Davis, they just seem so chilled. There's a comment from Paul Sull here asking about Cal Pitts and his potential. Is he set to take over the best tight end in football title? I think he looks really good. Last week he got what uh, 163 yards or seven catches, yeah. gets his first touchdown in London. And last week, more importantly, on the other side of the teams, there, Darnold, look, look. I think me or Column could have padded up, or you two boys as well could have padded up and went out and done a decent job. Column, Tim Jenkins, man, PJ Walker uh, is probably that second quarterback in Carolina. I just can't see how the Panthers are going to win, and I'm going to take the Falcons to hopefully go two and zero on my picks for this week. And I know, Colm, you have a couple of points to add to that, but I'm going Falcons all the way. Yeah, just on the the emergence of Kyle Pitts, he is their num- he should be their number one receiver, right? Doesn't matter that he's a tight end. He should be their first option. And what that does is I think that frees up Ridley, um, who I think is much more comfortable in terms of being um, WR2. I think that suits him. But also just on Sam Darnold, this is it. Like if Sam Darnold is to have, you know, a, a resurrection of any sorts, it's got to come against a Falcons defense that is porous. We know the Falcons are good on offense and that they can score points, but they struggle defensively. So if, if Sam Darnold, I think, struggles in the game tomorrow, that could be the the end. I, I really don't see a way back after that because they have they've done everything. They've given him every they, a, a second opportunity. They've tried to build around him. Matt Rule has been really good to him. If it doesn't work tomorrow, I just I think they have to pull the plug. Yeah, and if if they he does struggle tomorrow, they're not at all going to regret the fact that they traded Gardner Minshew to the Eagles, are they? Oh yes, yes, they are going to regret that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they'd be doing well if Gardner Minshew was with them. Um, I think fortunate for Arnold, um, McCaffrey will be back in the next week or two, and that might give them might relieve some of the pressure on him. You know, the fact that he has that he has. Um, yeah, to have him back because he's such an effective running back in the league. So we'll see, you know. But yeah, it's concerning when you see him coming out of the game for an XFL 
with all due respect to the ex-event, it's not Stam in the NFL. Him stepping in last week and it didn't work. I've been very disappointed in Sam Darnold uh, after the first three weeks. It's a bit like after week one when half of the media said the Packers were finished, including me. Uh, and now, and now I look at them. Uh, look, it is what it is. But I'm going to take the Falcons. I think the Falcons could be a dark horse, and I agree with what you're saying, Mark. Uh, Dolphins, Bills, column. Uh, the Dolphins are one and six. The Buffalo Bills are four and two. This game is in Buffalo in Highmark Highmark Stadium. Did that change recently? I, I know it changed. I didn't. I didn't know it was called Highmark Stadium. Yeah, the Bills have had a, a week to mull over that lost to the Titans, and I still remain a, a little bit baffled by that call at the end that they didn't just take the points and take it to overtime. Uh, talked about that. I didn't think they were getting the touchdown on on the QB sneak. They were only getting a first down, and what what were they going to do then? So, I imagine we we may see a, a Bills team if it's similar to last year with a point to prove after the they came back after losing just before the the bye. I think for this, all eyes will be on Tua, given the the various reports where we hear that allegedly a trade is in place if Deshaun Watson can settle those 22, 22 um, out, uh, outstanding um, misconduct allegations that are uh, against him. Um, like with Tua, it, it is kind of the the good and the bad. Four touchdowns, but then a crushing in, interception um, against the Falcons defense that we just talked about that has enormous issues. It's, it's porous. So um, it's going to be very difficult for Tua tomorrow going up against what are currently, you know, the ranked certainly the, the number one defense in, in the league. Um, number one pass defense, the get sacks, second best against the, the run. It's going to be very difficult for, for Tua, even with um, Gazicki there for, for Mark. I, I think this is going to be a long, long day. I know the Bills are without. Um, Dawson Knox, who obviously um, went, went out with a broken hand, but looks like he might be back sooner than expected, but I think tomorrow will come too soon. But they just still have a, a, a bevy of weapons, um, and I, I can't see the Dolphins getting enough pressure on Josh Allen to make life difficult. I have the Bills going to 5-2. and two. Colin, there's a comment from Betty Swalix here saying that he wants want you to give your jacket back to the Philippines. Uh, for, for, for anybody listening, it, 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 it is a, it is a Filipino jacket. Yes, I spent time in the, the Philippines a long time ago. Uh, every time I wear it, somebody uh, comments either generally uh, uh, somebody from the Philippines. But yeah, good spot. I, I thought it was USA 1994 jacket the first time I saw it from the World Cup. But uh, going back a long time there, um, Brian uh, Brian Paul Sol says the Dolphins are the biggest disappointment of the season. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. In fairness, I, myself and Colin picked them to, to be a wild card. Um, they were ten and six last year, and they've they've fortunately, you know, fell out of wild card spots to a very strong AFC. You know, with all due respect, last year. So for them to be where they are now, and Flores, who, you know, has you know, gradually over a few years, you saw you saw what he was doing because he was implementing the plan to bring them back to be challenging within the division. So yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. The Bills have had their number six games in a row over twenty points. Six games in a row, Josh Allen has had a hundred plus passer rating. And it's strange in a way because the Dolphins have had some players this year that have been very exciting to watch. Like we saw in London firsthand, Kaziki Waddle. Waddle's had seven more catches than Chase has had throughout the season. 
yeah, he's 370 yards less, so that's reflective of where they are. I agree with Colin. I think the Bills are going to win this game comfortably. Um, not to be promoting people to be out there gambling, but I saw one today which I thought was a bit of a gimme. Tua to run for over 10 yards in the game at evens. And bear in mind, he's going to be running for his life. I can see him running, certainly running for over 10 yards. And the only way he's not going to match that, he's going to lose out on that is if he's taking knees at the end of the game, you know, and that's not going to happen. So for me, anybody out there that fancies a flutter, Two over 10 yards rushing tomorrow, today, tomorrow, whatever day we are. And uh, the Brian, Bills Brian, that reminds me of your favorite commentator, Tony Romo, when in a game he once had a run for 61 yards that actually netted four yards because he ran backwards, had to circle back round, circle back. <laughs> yeah, I remember the play. Up, and he, and he ran for four yards. I mean, two might be doing a few of those to, uh, yeah, tomorrow, absolutely. to be honest with you. Look, I actually, sorry, I want to correct myself. I said about Minshew being traded and then Bridgewater being traded by the Panthers. Sorry, guys having a bad one, but not half as bad as what Miami's been having over the last while. They're on a six-game skid. And let us not forget, this is the second meeting of these two teams this year. What happened in the first one? Oh, that's right. The Bills blanked Miami 35-zip for the worst loss in 112 or 115 matchups between these two teams. Like the worst loss in history they'd ever delivered on the Miami Dolphins. Um it's pretty simple at the moment. Not only is there this six-game skip, but bear in mind as well, the Bills are the ones that stopped Miami getting to the playoffs last season. You know, they knocked them out in, a, in a, again, an absolute walk-away victory when they'd even rested most of their starters for the second half of the game. Um, Flores is fighting for his job. This game isn't going to depend on his job or not. It's going to be the next couple of games, which were very winnable after that. And if you're looking, Bills fans, for a bit of positivity or another thing to be positive about, what happened to you last season? You had a crushing loss on the Hail Murray, had a bye, and then went on to win eight straight games. This season, you've had a crushing loss against the Titans with that mess up at the end of the game. You've got a bye. Oh, maybe they might just go on a nice little winning streak. Certainly Miami is going to be the starter for that for a nice little win. Eight in a row. Maybe again. There's, there's Keith teaching. Don't, don't Sorry, remind me. Right. Um, <laughs> Just adding to what Mark said there now, yeah, the 35 zip, which was at the start of, well, the middle of September, going back to the last game in Buffalo between the two teams, the Bills still won by 30-odd points, 56-26. Even with Mike Kosicki, even with Jalen Waddle, even with Tua, maybe turning up a wee bit, the Bills are winning this game. Like They have too much talent on the offense. Here's the thing, though. I did see a stat, and I wish I had it here now. Tua's... Like, his stats are getting better individually as a quarterback over the last couple of games. He's fighting for his life. I don't believe a trade will happen with Deshaun Watson. I think it's all ploppity plop. It's like pre-election talk over here uh, in Europe or in the UK, wherever, you know, people make promises to say this is going to happen. This is going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, preferably, I don't want to go on live on a trade deadline show on Tuesday. That's my personal opinion. But uh, I think if I'm too, I'm fired up. I, look, maybe we will be doing a trade deadline show on Tuesday if there's if there's a lot of movement, but it's hard to. Well, I just find it very difficult to see whatever team. I know it's it's Miami in particular that seems to be the main the front runners to get the deal done, but it's, it's hard to gauge what we, any team in general manager would give away so much because the the asking price hasn't dropped, but yet they're not going to know. And by all accounts, these twenty two cases aren't going to be dealt with until the season is over. And Goodell last week kind of to a certain extent wiped his hands of it and to say, yeah, if you trade, he's playing because. You know, we're not dealing with this until the end of the season. So interesting. Yeah, but I mean, 
I keep coming back to this one thing about Deshaun Watson, okay? Even if none of this is proven true from a criminal perspective and he did nothing legally wrong, he hasn't disavowed the, the facts, the basic facts of the, fact of the case, which involve him clearly seeking massages every 10 seconds in all these different locations and putting himself in a position where he's one-on-one -on -one with a young female in a questionable position. That is not the type of leadership you would like to be seeing, even if, and of course, he's entitled to presumption of innocence, uh, that nothing criminal or untoward ever occurred in relation to it. I don't know, Michael, maybe I've got just too much music. The last couple of shows we had ABBA, we finished off the other night with a bit of George Michael. I had Dire Straits on earlier on, great band, by the way, and the song Money for Nothing came on. And I don't know why, when Lyric, Again, My Money for Nothing and My Chicks for Free came on, I thought it was Sean Watson. It just, you know, popped into my head. What can I say? I will say that I I don't think it should it should happen without the cases being resolved. Um, and I think for just ignoring the, the Watson situation, we just shouldn't, like, with 22 cases outstanding. But for Tua, it would be good for, for Tua to, to get more of an opportunity in Miami to see you know what he's capable of it could be that miami at the end of the season it's a josh rosen type situation and miami are moving on anyway um but i i think it would be really unfair on tua with all the time over watson's head to bring him in um right now um but again this is a situation that the league should be and have dealt with in the past where there you know there have been allegations we saw it with Ben Roethlisberger so uh, Roger Goodell is capable of doing it when he wants to do it I also think you know it's a difficulty with taking what you're getting uh, you know substantial amount of picks back you don't really know where where those picks are going to be within the draft so you know when, when it comes to the end of the season and teams start coming in making you offers it's a little bit easier to start dealing with a team who's in the top 10 of the draft i know obviously you're, you're picking up other draft picks from other trades that have gone down the line but you know it's a lot easier for Houston to start working on a plan going forward when they know they're getting the pick from every particular team in the top 10 right now they don't know what they're going to get the dolphins could go in a run and finish with watson that whatever and they end up getting their 14 or 15 pick you know yeah but like i'm going to give a movie reference so brian i know you haven't seen it but boys did you ever see the movie draft day the god awful movie about the NFL draft with Kevin Costner. What a great movie that was! Did see yeah, that, but like yeah. with Houston, Miami. If Houston and Miami did formulate a trade, like my, they can literally turn around to Miami, like Kevin Costner said, and say, "Give me my goddamn picks back," because they got fleeced by Miami before with Laramie Tunsil. So yeah. it's kind of a case of well, maybe what goes around comes around. Ultimately, is what Houston might think in relation to it. But Carolina could be looking for a quarterback. Philadelphia could be looking for a quarterback. <clears throat> teams in the offing, you know, come the off season again. So I the mean, difficulty, sorry, I know we keep going on, but we want to get back to the games. It's it's come out this week that he said, you know, he has this clause in the contract that he can rebuff the trades, and basically he decides where he wants to go. And he's made it very clear that he wants to go to Miami and Miami only. But we, we all want to go to Miami, Mister Three Hundred Five, etc., Mister Worldwide. We we get it. The reality is, it's still hot in Houston. And just in regards to the other comments, the Irish NFL show has no affiliation with the National Football League and wants to go to the LA into rule February. So, Godspeed. And also on draft day, <laughs> no matter what, I find out very quickly. That's how skilled I am. Great movie, no spoilers. Monty Mac, no matter what, Brent. That's, yeah, that's you didn't think on the, your, the anniversary of the one year since we started the show, you'd be talking about massages. But anyway, maybe we'll start moving on to the next game. The show is everything tonight. It really does. Uh, one, one year on. Uh, Connor Hagen. 
I presume it's Hagen that said HGN while Tyrone surname, all Ireland champion. Sorry, was put a comment on saying there, you know, what's your thoughts regarding the Bears? Well, let's talk about the Bears and let's talk about the 49ers. 49ers two and four against the Bears three and four column. Some good news for Bears fans. First off, uh, Matt Nagy isn't on the sideline uh, this weekend, but bad news, it's the Chicago Bears going up against the 49ers. Uh, what's, what's your thoughts in this game? I would take you back to the uh, mid-80s um, and to 1984, the, the championship game, Candlestick Park, and the 49ers beat the Bears 23-0. But what I suppose that game is best remembered for is the Angus backfield. And uh, the guard, Guy McIntyre, um, and Bill Walsh used him. And the 49ers taunted the Bears afterwards, told them, next time, bring your offense. Well, fast forward to October um, uh, 19, 1985, regular season game, uh, and uh, the Bears put a beat down on the 49ers, uh, 26-10. The Bears, obviously, that, that season went on to, to win um, the, the Super Bowl, but that game was best remembered for the first time that the fridge carried the football. And Ditka was making a point. Uh, there was no love lost at that time between uh, Ditka and Bill Walsh. The halcyon days for both of these franchises, and I imagine fans of both uh, would be wishing that it was back to, to those sorts of days. And wouldn't it be nice to see the likes of a Joe Montana up against uh, a, a ferocious Bears defense? But that's not the case. We have uh, Justin Fields and Jimmy G. Um, I I don't know what the point for the 49ers uh, is in, in terms of continuing with Jimmy G. We saw Trey Lance this week, or our friend Michael Lombardi had the video of uh, if if Trey Lance has has a knee sprain, um, he then uh, that is ridiculous because Kyle Shannon was trying to play it down. Um, and you showed the video, Michael, of Joe Judge uh, the other week uh, and and about uh, you know his player in pads. Well, Kyle Shannon was very similar. Um, because he's trying to say that Lance is a knee sprain and there's Nads doing all sorts of moves um, that you wouldn't even see in coppers. So I think it's going to be um, an interesting game because I think the neither neither of these teams are playing well. Um, Fields has really struggled. He hasn't been helped by his coaches in any way, shape or form. Um, he has two two in two touchdowns, six interceptions um, over the, the course of uh, his starts. Um, look, he was up against a, a stout Bucks um, defense and in the, in the last game. And you almost felt sorry for him coming off because nothing just seems to, to be going well. But for the Bears, they have a host of injuries. I, I think if, if, if there's a deciding factor in this game, it's going to be Nick Bosa and whether he can um, kind of create havoc. Uh, but, uh, like, you could... I, I think this is almost a toss of a coin game. Um, I can definitely see ways in which the the Bears uh, win it. But I'm... I'm I I I am I'm, I'm kind of torn on who to go with because in some ways if the if the forty the 49ers should have a better coaching staff and better roster, but it just feels like something isn't right there, and the way in which they're kind of um, utilizing um, their roster doesn't make all that sense. Some of the decisions they're making, um, they struggled against Jonathan Taylor, and we saw. Um, 
Cahill Herbert have uh, has done very well in coming in for the Bears. So I'd make a case in, in both ways. Do you know what? I'll go I'll go Bears. I'll go Bears to surprise it and go to, to 400. Um, and uh, Kyle Shanahan to be forced to put Trey Lance in because I really don't see what, what's left to be gained with Jimmy G. But, it's but, been but, a year, uh, Colin, but you got really snappy at those intros. That's really quick. Yeah. Really snappy. Colin, can I ask a quick question? You said about the refrigerator. Uh, who, who was that? Is it <laughs> because he's cool? Yeah. Or, or what's <laughs> No. Colin, I, I kind of thought you were trying to talk yourself out, make a pick for this game completely the way you were going on there. You know? <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't want to make a pick. Just don't forget about this. One. Like, <laughs> like you said, Matt Nagy's not going to be available for the game because of COVID. Well, another player who is really crucial to the Bears on defense is Khalil Mack, and he's not going to play in this game either. And they've had in the, in the three wins they've they've had, you know, the three wins so far they've had seven takeaways, and in the four defeats they've had one. This game, right? This, sorry, this team. With the situation with the offense and Justin Fields, this team is all about their defense. If the defense plays well, you know, they're going to be in a game. They didn't play well last week. The Bears were blown off. The doors were blown off by the Bucks. And the Bears' offense hasn't had a plus 200-yard game yet this season. That hasn't happened since 2008. But And the last team was the Tennessee Titans. So for me, despite the four losses in a row for the 49ers, this game, for me, kind of reminds me of that Week 2 game where the 49ers went into Philadelphia. They didn't play amazing they just did enough to get over the line and win the game that's the type of game i see it could be a low scoring game with the 49ers just having enough just yeah this this could be a really ugly game uh we're alluding to the bears struggles obviously that infamous game um was against the browns or the bengals but the, when they had the 47 net yards for the entire game when you took off the sacks they conceded justin fields hasn't been the starter for every one of the bears games but somehow He's leading the league in one thing, which is the number of sacks taken in 22 in his short time as a starter. I mean, if you average 5.4 over the next, you know, 10 games, then, oh, David Carr's uh, all-time record with the Houston Oilers back in the day, or the oh, Houston Texans, uh, will be at risk of 76 sacks in a single season. Um, that's the Bears' fatal flaw. Their offensive line still isn't very good. They still haven't addressed it. They still have got uh, problems there. And uh, the campaign to free the Chicago one may continue. Colm, um, certainly in the last couple of games, he's barely been targeted as well, which probably hasn't helped matters either. But there are flaws on both these sides. Actually, the one flaw of the 49ers that keeps going, I feel, unreported is their D-backs don't know what the rules are in pass interference. Like in that game against the Colts, the Colts exploited the fact, just chuck the ball up in the air. Because the D-backs are going to tackle the receiver and give you free yards on pass interference nearly every time. The 49ers are way in the lead in terms of pass interference penalties given up. So maybe that's going to be the tactic tonight. Just throw the ball wildly in the air down the field, Justin Fields, if you're given enough time not to die. And then maybe you'll, you'll generate offense in that way, exploiting their tendency in this regard. Look, I picked the 49ers last week. I am not as down on them as many of you are, I know. So I'm going with them again. I can't trust the Bears. I don't think anybody should trust the Bears at the moment. Until Nagy and Pace are gone, no one believes in the Bears. And poor old Justin Fields deserved better to start off his professional career. Live, mute, sorry, podcast listeners. Poor old Justin Fields. Justin Fields is literally the second coming if you're if you're walking through Chicago, boys. 
let's just put that out there. But this game has it all. The 49ers, the Bears, it just it just gets me going, boys, you know. Yes, like this this game is probably the game of the week. No, it's not. Uh Jimmy Garoppolo, if he plays three and eight last week. Sorry, three for eight, 27 yards, one one interception, one fumble. He'll still win this game if he plays. The 49ers are gonna beat the Bears. Justin Fields is gonna have a bad 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 day at the office he won't have enough protection and also Khalil Mack being out is enough for me I, I'm I'm taking the Bears to fall to three and five I'm going to go with the 49ers to go three and four and I'm not going to say blow the NFC West wide open because that's not going to happen but uh, the, the 49ers will win this game and I think Trey Lance will be the starter next week just putting it out there and any any further points have I annihilated the Bears fans or is that bad or what's the uh the only thing I'd say in the Justin Fields situation is, you know, we we all thought it would be a bit of a, you know, a difficult start, but more so because of what he's got around. The offensive line has been, mm. you know, struggling for the, this year, struggled last year. Jenkins was selected in the second round for a long time. People felt that they would, would have taken him in the fourth round. He's not, he, he's out pretty much for this foreseeable. And they brought in, like, you know, they brought in some experienced players, but they've been around the league for so long and they're, they're old and, you know, struggling for that. And there we go. But, so, but, but Brian, I mean, that comes back to roster construction by Pace. Absolutely. That comes back to coaching by Nagy in terms of at least trying to coach around that or give some support to him. Um, they don't lean on the running game as much as they should, and they're not giving him the best chance to succeed. So, yeah, I mean, that's why I say poor old Justin Fields, because any rookie quarterback can thrive or die depending on the environment they're put into. Um, and at the moment, he's definitely not being given an opportunity to thrive. And Michael, I know you're working on this, the five-hour, six-hour live show for the draft already, which is great to see the preparation well in advance. But just one thing you'll, you'll, you sh- I should tell you now, the Bears don't have a number one pick next year. I think what's great about Chicago is, and I, I, I look at Daniel Jones in New York as a good example as well. Seriously, you know, they're giving him time. They're, they're giving him enough time to see if he's going to be good. Daniel Jones is in a situation where it doesn't matter how he plays the rest of the year. He'll play the whole of next season probably again because he's, He's getting better. Justin Fields will be given two or three years because a competent management in a team will give somebody the time to see how far it goes. Uh, and yeah, so that's just my point. Sorry, did you say competent management and the Bears in the same sense? I think he's referring, <laughs> to, the, I think he's re- referring to the next lot who come in. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Sorry, Michael. Well, it's better than the management that my team has, but uh, it's all good. Uh, ready to move on? Okay, uh, I'm not going to say game of the week, but I need one more chance to play this. Yeah, this could become a thing now on the show. Uh, the Steelers three and three, the Browns four and three. Uh, Fred flunked first off, saying, "I'm late to the show." Sorry, Fred. We literally just went up. We just went life of the crack. Congrats he must be now. He, he must be now chasing seagulls. The seagulls. Or, tra- or, or, or they, were chasing, they, they were chasing the Liverpool defense this afternoon. Oh, well done. Well done. Excellent. Uh, no idea what you're talking about, but all good. Uh, the Steelers <laughs> and the Browns. Column, who have you got now? Look, the Irish NFL show column has no affiliation with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Although we've had the Rooney family on, we will give a biased and unpopular view of this game today. I'm unbiased, uh, I, I assume. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, what I, I said on our show on Monday night, I gave my thoughts on the Mike Tomlin situation and being linked with a college job and how ridiculous that was but mike tomlin made some very interesting comments perhaps he and i i don't think he meant it as a slight but 
did he did he unintentionally give the game away about Baker Mayfield when he said he doesn't really think it matters who's a quarterback for the Browns uh, because the team is essentially the same, whether it was Baker or whether it's Case Keenum. And it will be Baker, but I, I think for for Baker Mayfield, you've got to hope for him that he can not going to take another knock to that shoulder. So the that O-line is going to be really important that they do their job. And I think it's it's telling and there is that do you do you pay baker do you pay him the 40 million a year and what impact does that have on on the browns the browns running game is unbelievable um made a mockery of a vaunted denver defense with dearness johnson um who's their their third choice running back so uh if they can get uh chubb back then that's obviously much uh stronger um the the steelers still get to the the qb um but they don't exactly have uh the the steel curtain anymore um they steelers have their own issues in terms of uh, the run game and we know uh that they've had issues trying to get uh, Najee harris to you know the yards they've got him involved i don't think anyone in the league has been more involved um and that's good that they found ways to involve him in the past game because he's very very talented un- uh, unbelievably so but the Browns are very strong against the run. They're solid against the, the pass. Um, Big Ben has been sacked 12 times in six games. The worry for the Browns, I think, is their, their injury report. Um, it seems like every week they add people to it, though apparently um, they are getting guys back and they will have their right tackle back for this. Uh, again, this is another game I could see going any which way because of the... I think the Browns need this, uh, you know, um, and I'm going to go with them. But I do think that Tomlin will keep the Steelers. I, I think Tomlin has another season where he goes to, to 500. I think the Steelers will be okay. But I'm going to go with the Browns for this just. Colin touched on the Browns and how efficient their run game is, and it's been predominantly with Hunt and Chubb. Chubb's going to play, Hunt isn't going to play. But Ernest Johnson came in last week and... Again, the game plan is let's, let's let's work with the run game. And you had, I think you had over 100 yards, 127 yards, which was, for me, it was a bit disappointing in terms of how the Broncos handled them in particular that last try. But anyway, the point being, they're really efficient. The run game, I'm I, I'm against them on this game. I, I'm going with the Steelers. I think Big Ben, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by how well they've, <clears throat> they've, re, um, they've reacted to the adversity this season. They were one and three to beat the Broncos at home. And then they went and beat the Seahawks. I know it was Geno Smith, but Big Ben didn't show any interceptions in those games. And they're currently going about the business. This week, Tomlin, this whole speculation about moving on, which we know is uh, <laughs> good Alfred, which we knew was uh, a bit off-putting, and he, he handled it very well. So I think he's got, a, he's got a point to prove again this week. And I think, you know, this is a big game for the Steelers because they win, they go four and three, and potentially back in the wildcards slots. And they haven't lost three games against the Browns since 1986 and 1989. So for me, Steelers just caused the upset. I'm sorry, one more, Mark, sorry. Baker Mayfield is playing injured. I'm not sure that's the right thing. The Steelers defense on their day can get the quarterbacks. 
Yeah, Mayfield is a worry in this game, uh, Brian. And for all the talk about Tomlin, obviously this week with the press conference and the record he's had, uh, today or tomorrow, if he wins, he actually equals Coach Cower for the number of wins, who we've also had on the show in our first year. Um, but he would equal Coach Cower for the most second most wins, obviously behind the legendary Chuck Knoll uh, as a Steelers coach. So, you know, that will be... Uh, uh, a great achievement, a great... I'm just watching Michael pour this and waiting to see him pour it all over himself, actually. That would be quite amusing to, to be on live. Um, but the Steelers are also dealing with the loss of Juju for the year now. And the obvious replacement there is Chase Claypool. I think everybody remembers his four-touchdown game last season. But he's been so erratic and inconsistent outside of that, especially this season. So can you truly rely on him? Can they truly rely upon that receiving core? I was laughing, Brian. I was kind of annoyed because 1989 was exactly what I was going to bring up. I was going to point out that 1989 wasn't just the year that Hirohotu died. It wasn't just the year that J.J. Watt and Taylor Swift were born. It wasn't the, the year of a great pop album by Taylor Swift, actually, as well. We could have a whole Taylor Swift uh, thing again because I think we did that last year. Um, wasn't just the year that Ronald Reagan passed over the presidency to George Bush. Wasn't just the year of the Tiananmen Square massacres, uh, massacres, protests. Sorry, that's what I meant to say there. But it was also the year that the Browns last beat the Steelers three games in a row. And obviously, on the back of the 24-22 game that got them into the playoffs, on the back of the playoff win last year, and on the back of tomorrow's game, they are going to win and they are going to beat the Steelers three times in a row once again. It was also the year, I think, that Mickey Thomas scored a winner in Anfield in the last minute. I wasn't going to bring that up, Brian, but if you want Boys, to, can we talk Alex about something that might... I was 11. I was 11. That was a good evening. Friday, I, I remember watching that screaming around the house. It was, I was delighted. Sorry, Michael. I think it's... your wireless? Yeah. That, that one's for Michael. Fred. <laughs> Tell you what, instead of, instead of putting on Athlone, can we, can we turn off Athlone? Yeah. I, I just want to, first off, just state that this segment is not presented by... Guinness Nitro Surge, um, but you know we'd be more than happy to. Looks, like, pops it, it looks like he brought a little penguin into the house to pour us. A little penguin is new. My, my my new best friend. And <laughs> um, first off, I just want to thank and congratulate the Cleveland Browns for an incredible performance last Thursday night. The Cleveland Browns boys beat a Denver team that were three and zero, and that had been one of the big hype teams in the AFC over the last day. Uh, over the last uh, seven or eight months, so fair play. And I also picked up that third running back in my fantasy team, so I was I was very conflicted last Friday morning. The reality is, it doesn't matter if Baker Mayfield's injured. Case Keenum's went out and beat the Denver Broncos boys. The Denver Broncos, the defense for the Denver Broncos. So they shouldn't have an issue against the Steelers this weekend. But but in all seriousness, I love the depth in this Browns team. I love the fight in this Browns team. I think the Steelers have come back and done really well as well from all that adversity, what you mentioned on, Brian. But I think the Browns will get the win. Nick Chubb, just give the ball to Nick Chubb. You don't need to do anything else. Just give it over to Nick Chubb. It'll be fine. No problem at all. But it will be interesting. If Baker Mayfield goes off injured, then I don't know. So I'm the only one going to Steelers, yeah? Seems, seems like it, boy. Seems like it. Okay. Any final points on that before we move on? No, no, I think that's, that's I think we've all given a fair reflection of why we think certain teams will win the game. It, it could come down to if these games are, you know, with the exception of that playoff game, the like, fairness, most of these games over the years have been reasonably close. So, despite the records at times, yeah, okay. Brian, Brian's going to be looking out for TJ Watt to have a day now. I'm going to be wearing his TJ Watt jersey 
cheering it on. Fred, I'm sorry you're not over that goal. I, I'm not over it either. I still remit, reminisce about it many, many I'm years. I'm actually going to watch Fever pitch later on. Michael probably still hasn't heard that film. Ah, Christ. I can't believe it's not Michael. You weren't even around in 89. Jesus. <laughs> apparently, apparently, I was named after him. I'm keep, keeping one up by my father. So, Michael, ju just one one thing. Uh, Miles Garrett has said he plans to give Big Ben a big send off uh, in what is very likely uh, to be Big Ben's last trip to Cleveland as a Steeler. Let's see what happens. You never know. He could be, he could be there again in January. Let's see what happens. But yeah interesting in that sense boys um let's move on i'm really annoyed that i didn't get to use my buzzer for this one because this one's a hell of a game you could have two and five philadelphia eagles going to detroit and playing the zero and seven detroit lions who colin to be fair to the lions for 25 minutes last sunday they shut me up big time i, I was getting scared i'm not gonna lie yeah, they were gamey, um certainly and they they went for it they they pulled out all the tricks but ultimately they fell short. Jared Goff threw two interceptions. He has uh, one touchdown and four interceptions in his last three games. He's been sacked 17 times in seven games. If the Lions had, you know, potentially a different QB, maybe it'd be a little bit different, but they're going to have Jer Jared Goff tomorrow. Lots of people are saying it could be their the Lions first win. I don't see it. Um, I think that the Eagles showed you in week one that they, if they're up against a bad defense, Jalen Hurts is, is a decent QB. He's 10 touchdowns and four interceptions on the, the season. I mean, if you have a look around the league, that's not terrible. I, I, he's yet to prove that he's a, a franchise QB, but Nick Sirianni is yet to prove that he's a franchise head coach. The, the Eagles are have issues especially on defense right i heard sam monson describe them as the most vanilla defense in, in the league and i think that's probably true but i don't think the lions are able to exploit that there's also been talk about benching hurts and i don't see what you get gardner menchu is what who's going to come in we know who gardner menchu is he's not a franchise qb either you've yet to find out about hurts i think you run it with hurts and you make a decision at the the end of the season I think, unfortunately, for the Lions, I'm sure they'll be up for it um, because they play hard for Dan Campbell. But I think they're going to 0-8. Colin called out the stats that the horses had this season. It's it's not just the stats, though, Colin. It's the overall play that, you know, outside the stats because he's... I, I'm not saying what you're saying. I really am. I'm seeing a quarterback just... He's not fit for purpose in this league. And it's not because I'm a Giants fan. I don't like the Eagles. That I'm just... The reality is... <clears throat> Having watched that game more so last week than another game in, in the nine o'clock slot, he and maybe it's there. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is the Sirianni. But then on defense, you're saying about the vanilla situation. They didn't change the game plan last week. They haven't changed the game plan in any game. They did the same in Dallas. They just allowed Dallas to go up and down the field. Though. And I think the Lions went up and down the field to a certain extent on the Rams last week, and they failed to win that game because they were zero for five in the red zone. But I don't think that Eagles defense is strong enough. And I, I'm going to pick the Lions here. I think. Um, I think they've. Come out of that game last week. They were unfortunate. They played really well. They certainly are playing for the coach, and they probably should have won by now. I mean, that field goal with the Ravens, I mean, how often do you see things like that? And for me, Swift, the running back, is having a good season. He scored in six of the seven games. He's not really talked about because they keep losing all these games. So for me, I don't even think it's going to be an upset, to be honest. I don't think it's a Monday evening on a show. You go, oh my God, the Lions won. If they win, yeah, you might pick them, but I don't see it as a major shock. In fact, 94 on Monday evening, 90% of the betting money 
on Monday had already gone on the Lions to beat the Eagles. So for me, it's not going to be a shock. I think the Lions will win. Michael, you can sound the klaxon for one thing. There's a reunion klaxon in this game. Bo, 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 bo. Yeah, I mean, Darius Slay, if you remember back mm. in the day, he left the uh, Lions in less than uh, happy circumstances, basically forcing his way out of the organization. He went to the Eagles. This is actually the first time he's going to be playing against his old team. Um, you know, so he's going to be motivated. The problem is, isn't necessarily going to be him. It's going to be the rest of this team. I'm with Brian 100% on the Jalen Hurts piece. He is not a functioning, good enough, suitable quarterback at the professional game. If you look at his last three games, he's barely completed 50% of his passes, and the entirety of the Eagles' stats keep getting inflated by garbage time. They've scored seven touchdowns when they've already been down by 19 points in the second half. I mean, they are the very definition of meaningless points uh, at that point in time. And yet, yeah, maybe Nick Sirianni is equally to blame in this regard. But until I see Hurts, and to an extent, we've had the same conversation with Tua, throw consistently more than 15 yards down the field. Um, I'm not going to believe that he has enough to make it as a professional quarterback, nor am I going to believe the defenses are going to respect him enough. Because I'll know if they take away the middle, if they take away his threat and running, that they can contain him. This is exactly the Lamar Jackson game plan. But in fact, he is nothing like Lamar Jackson with his legs, nor with his arm in relation to it. On the flip side, Brian called out in detail Derek Carr's figures. Uh, I think it was. You called out Carr's figures against the Eagles, wasn't it? We had 90.9% 90, 90, 90 completion rate. On, yeah. on, on, that's on. You know, which is super impressive. 31 of 34, I think it was, wasn't it? For 323 and three TDs. Yeah, that's super impressive. It would be even more impressive if it wasn't against the Eagles because everyone completes against them. Quarterbacks are completing nearly 75% of their passes against the Eagles. This defense isn't just vanilla. It's chocolate, it's strawberry, it's a combination of ice cream to give you a lovely little treat at the end of the day if you're a quarterback because they ain't going to bloody stop you at any point along the way. Um, the all-time NFL record for a season, by the way, in completions is actually held by the Lions, that they gave up about 72, 72.7, I think it is, 72.7% of the passes in an entire season. The Eagles are putting that at risk. The Eagles are not a good team. And the Lions, I mean, maybe I just like the plucky underdogs. I do think they fought so hard this season. Look at how many games they've lost on last-minute field goals. I even picked them uh, the other week against the Bengals when we were in London because I thought they were building momentum. Um, I can't trust the Eagles on this. I do trust what uh, Campbell and the Lions have been doing and how hard they've been playing. And I'm with Brian. I'm actually on the Lions on this one to beat the Eagles. Michael. Get the REM album now, tomorrow evening. Everybody hurts. Come Who's REM? Mm, in. Come on, me. <laughs> if you believe that there's a man on the moon, uh -huh. you believe the Lions can win against the Eagles, fair play to you. I actually like Nick Sirianni. I like his offensive strategy, um, gentlemen. But I think, look at Jalen Hurts. He still scored two touchdowns last week. Regardless for his crap stats last week, he still scored two touchdowns, right? He's going up against Jared Goff and the Lions. I think if he can get two, or you know what, let's 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 give him another one because it's the Lions, right? You know, because let's be honest, the Eagles will get to Goff. 
considerably during this game. In my opinion, I, I think they will. He's the fourth most pressure quarterback. I think he's in for a bad day on Sunday. Let's say the Eagles score two or three touchdowns. Will the Lions score three touchdowns with DeAndre Swift? Will it? Yeah, I believe so against the Seagulls defense, yeah. I, I don't, to be honest. Like, even, even if Swift was to get two rushing touchdowns, I can't see them scoring over 20 points. I can see the Eagles getting there. Um, and in terms of talking about the, the offensive strategy, boys, like, they have the ninth highest blitz rate in the NFL on one side of the ball, but they've got a lot of injuries. But the Eagles have a chance, boys, against a Lions team that shouldn't be even bothering the rest of the season. Come on. Seriously? Do you, do you agree with that or not? Well, I think they, he's, they've got a head coach that is probably not looking too far ahead and he wants them to play hard and win games and see what comes of it because I think it's one of those situations they'll probably look ahead come week 12, week 13. But. I mean, look, look at this one, Michael. They don't want to go 0-16. And, and any game you play against the NFC East has to be considered a winnable game. So that's why you know they've got a chance. But they've got a real good chance to be shiny, happy people come Monday morning. So. Shiny, happy people. There's a what? comment here as well, column saying Sirianni doesn't have a strategy. Zero run game, high school offense. Uh, Jordan Hyde. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That's why I think that, like, I, I'm not saying, as I said, I think the jury is still out on Jalen Hurts. But what's the point in bringing in Gardner Menchie? You're not going to learn anything about that, at least with Hurts. There's the there's some sort of potential there for him to, to do something. You could, again, the Eagles are going to have a whole host of picks come the end of the season, and they're going to have very high picks, so they can make decisions on on what they want to do. But bringing in Gardner Minshew is going to do nothing other than a bit like Ryan Fitzpatrick. People love uh, the the looks; they they love a bit uh, the the very sexy facial hair, and uh, he he's made a he, he's made a fortune. If Ryan Fitzpatrick hadn't grown a beard, people this. Fits, fits magic, fits tragic, wouldn't exist. It's a business decision. He's made a whole lot, a lot of money of it. Gardamenchi's done the same thing. If, if we're talking about Jalen Hurts not being a professional quarterback, Gardamenchi's a professional uh, model and basically made a whole lot of money off of that. So I think it's ridiculous to say that you should bench Hurts, run with Hurts, see what happens. And at the end of the season, maybe you're getting rid of a QB and a HC. Yeah, but I mean, that's it, Colin. I'm not saying bench him. I'm just saying I don't think he's good enough. And if you think the jury's still out, as far as I'm concerned, the jury's convicted. You'll have to do your best Henry Fonda in 12 Angry Men to talk the rest of us round on that one, I think, by the end of the season. I saw Trevor Simeon be the starting quarterback of a franchise for two years. Two years he was given. So to me, Jalen Hurts deserves at least this year. That's right. Uh, I have just one thing to say. Hey, baby. You want to come take a ride with the Mississippi mud flat? Yes, I do. Uh, I think uh, next week it could be very interesting to fill it. <laughs> You've not seen that video before, mate, no? I, I, I don't know what just happened. So. As somebody that paid £265 sterling in the Queen's English to sit uh, in the first section or whatever to see the Texans against the Jaguars and try to explain to my father who Garner Minshew was and why he was so awesome because he had a moustache. Uh, I'm, I'm really pulling for him because I, I need him to do well in this league, man. Let's just say that. Mud flaps, massages and 
sexy bears. What a way to celebrate your one year anniversary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Michael, who are you going for? I think the I Eagles. Think... The, the Eagles are three, three and a half favorites. I think they'll. I think they'll cover that comfortable. To be honest. So hold on, Colin. Are you going for the? No, the Colin, I, I'm, I'm going for the Eagles. Who who would have thought who would have thought this game would have this we probably discussed this game in depth more than any other game so far. Who would have thought, who would have thought this would be the game? Well, I tell you that, I, I'll take you that and I'll raise you the Texans. Uh going up against the Rams in Houston. Hell of a game, boys. We got the six and one Rams against the one and six Houston Texans. Uh Colin, who we got? I'd be nice to to Fred, right? Um, because David David Cully says he has a plan for Aaron Donald, and um, I'm wondering. I heard that, and I wondered if it was similar to Alex Ferguson's plan for Barcelona. Because after Barcelona beat Manchester United in 2009 in the European Cup final, Fergie said he had a plan. Well, 2011 happened, and uh, I didn't see much of a plan. And I think for poor old Cully and the Texans, it's going to be similar when it comes to, to stopping Aaron Donald. I don't think it's going to be possible. We had Brandon Cooks publicly stating his unhappiness with them trading away. Um, you know, he's uh, running back during the, the week. And after their opening day win, it's just been a world of pain for the, the Texans, really. Um, other than you know, Davis Mills had a nice performance in the uh, against the Patriots. They still lost, um, and Davis Mills threw for 130 yards last week. So if we're talking about QBs that aren't fit for for the league, um, you know uh, that that the the Texans need to to sort that out. They're going up against Stafford, who has got and who's playing unbelievably, but Robert Woods is flying under the radar uh, somewhat. And I think Stafford is is going to have uh, a day. Um, I don't think that the only way to really get at the Rams that we've seen is on the ground, and I don't think the Texans have, have anything there. You know, the, the issue will be complacency, I think, for, for the Rams, but they should move to 7-1 and one at the end of this game. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched the Texans last week. I know they were 5 nil up, and for a long time they were in the game, and then they got the doors blown off them. It's very hard to see how they can do anything similar to a certain extent. Aaron Donald, I touched on last Monday show, I think he felt that was going to be critical of this, you know, but he's only had three and a half sacks this season. It's the worst since 2016 in terms of his career. I'd imagine by tomorrow night, tomorrow evening, he will have uh, probably double that because he's going to have, I'd imagine, he have a field day against this Texans offensive line. And, uh, you know, Cup, Stafford, 90% completion rate on balls down the field beyond 20, 40 yards. I can't see how they're not going to put up a big score. And I don't even know if the nine is. Is it 20 points? Something like that? It's hard to see how the Texans can remain competitive in this game, especially when now we're, we're seeing as the next few days go on. Whatever player has, gives them a glimmer of hope, they're trading away. And once Mark Ingram isn't top-notch running back anymore, he probably was to a certain extent a really good running back back in the day. He's been traded to the Saints. They're cleaning the house already. I'd imagine there'd be a few more going before the deadline at eight o'clock our time Tuesday evening. Rams all day for me. I, I love Anthony's comment, David Johnson, to roll back the years in this one. Like that, that, yeah, okay. The, I mean, Anthony, the Texans are averaging about three, three point three yards per carry. They don't have a run game to speak of. Their only offense 
goes by the name of Brandon Cooks, who as Colm's already alluded to, is not best pleased with them. And is certainly given his base salary, as we talked about on uh, Monday night, uh, no, Thursday night football, sorry, uh, on the uh, potential to be on the trading block as well, um, given for any contender. Texans are going to trade everyone and anyone. They are going to be so keen uh, to make an impression on future teams. I think that the team are going to continue to play hard. They could make a dent on the Rams' offensive line, particularly if Andrew Whitworth still is hampered or doesn't start because he's been limited all week, uh, and they may just blitz away at Matt Stafford. Um, but with Cooper Cup, with Robert Woods, with the talent that he has in the wide receiver position, I think he'll be able to comfortably deal with that. For me, the most fascinating thing about this whole um, matchup isn't actually... It's actually an off-the-ball off the story, although we're going to see it on the field. Um, last week, not just it was Mark Ingram traded, but Kenny Young was traded by the Rams. That's their starting linebacker. So then they're going to bank on a guy called Ernest Jones. He's a rookie. He's only had about 45 snaps all season long to fill in as a starter for the rest of the season. Now, they've saved $1.3 million on the cap, and you could say it's a cap-saving space move, but it's a very strange move given that this is your window. This is what you expect. And it's as someone who started all seven games for you already. So I don't know. That's a bit bizarre. And seeing how that operates, um, it's a good game to warm him into his starting position, shall we say. But it's certainly something that they uh, are going to be watching or I'm going to be watching carefully. Do I think the Texans can exploit it? No. Do I think the Rams at minus 16, Brian, I think the line is, are going to be good value at that? Actually, yes, because this could this could be very, very, very ugly. Um, Rams all the way, every day, by at least three touchdowns. <laughs> can, can, I, can I just ask uh, Brian, if he's going to open a beer, can he go and mute? We do put him full screen. I thought that's why you were here to do the production book. Mutant. Uh, mutant. Oh, well, <laughs> well just, just while you're sorting that out, just to say on um, on Kenny uh, Kenny Young, um, uh, Joe Joe Rose did a, a deep dive on this, and he while he started off the the season um, and and was playing pretty much every down after their loss to to the Cards, uh, he began to lose playing time, and he really became more of a, ultimately a rotation uh, player. So I think it was probably a little bit on the cap, but also they felt that there were others who who could come in. Now, will that be a mistake? Um, potentially, and and we'll see. Um, but I think there was a, a, a to do a deep dive on it. It seems like they were already beginning to to phase him out. So probably to get something for a player who you you feel you weren't necessarily going to use. I can see, I guess, why they why they did it. But Colin, wasn't it like a seventh rounder in 2024 or something like that? Like, yeah, it, it, I, it, I can't it, remember, it, but it's a ridiculously, like, I mean, it's worse than a pack of the peanuts type of thing. I just, I find it bizarre based on where they are, knowing he's at least a stable pair of hands. What if somebody got injured, even if you're going to put him to the back of the rotation, um, having known the defense and all? It, I just wonder, is there something else there? That's all, because it's just a bit strange. But look, that's how bad the Rams-Texans game is. We're talking about a mid-season trade of a very limited linebacker that not many people have heard of before because we're struggling to find things to talk about. Rams to win the game. Michael, assume you're picking the Rams. Do you want to move on? Uh, let's not be so sure. 
Uh, let's 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 hear the preview. Just going on what Colin said at the start. He was talking about week one. What a glorious week that was. What are you talking about? So that went really well. Um, and the Texans really, boys, haven't been the same since. And it's hard to believe the Jaguars team, sorry, the Jaguars team that we've seen in London got beat by that Texans team now, which is just mad to say. Look, I would rather take a ride with the Mississippi Mudflap than watch this game. This game will be over five minutes in. Uh, I am going to take the over on this, presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange. I have no idea what the over is, but I would go as far as saying that the Rams are going to score over, over 40 on Sunday. Um, and I don't think this will be a contest. I think the, I think the Texans will be, will be booed off the field at halftime. And you would have to start asking questions because seeing Brandon Cook's tweet was just like, like what's going on there? Which is nuts. Anyway, we've a lot of games to go through. We've still a lot of games to go through here, boys. And Sorry, Michael. Don't the, the over is 46 and a half. I will cover that. Irish NFL show code matchbook. We'll get, we'll get back to matchbook in a wee bit. Here are Brian's or Bino's picks are for the weekend. The Titans, five and two at the Colts, three and four. Tom and Bino. Let's go dandy here, uh, Colin. This is a nice game. Yeah, two inform teams should be a really interesting game. I think Colts in a much better place than they were in week three when these sides met, and Carson Wentz in a much better place. I can't, like He's definitely transformed from the Carson Wentz we saw in Philadelphia last year, who was so careless with the football, who was getting sacked so frequently. Now, he has to prove that he can continue to, to do that, um, but he, he's he been playing really well, and, and he played um, decently. Um, a couple of um, you know plays that you'd worry about, as Mark said, he kind of just threw it up there at times, but it was a, a, a rainstorm uh, in San Francisco. They've also leaning more into Jonathan Taylor, who you would have to say has become one of the premier running backs in um, the the league. But they're up against a, a Titan side who, you know, just came, coming off the back of two enormous wins. But it's it's like the AFC this season. Who, you know, who, who really wants it? Because we've seen, you know, I guess flaws in most of the, the contenders. And this is the Titans team who lost to to the Jets. Um, It seems like Julio will be out. So it's going to be on AJ and Derrick Henry. Can the Titans stop Derrick Henry? They've certainly struggled up uh, to to now. Um, But I I do think the the Colts are improving. They're they're getting some, some players back. I think in this game, the Titans are a better team but I think the Colts need it more and Brian and I have talked about that over the past few weeks uh that essentially the Colts dug themselves into a hole where kind of every game became uh a playoff game and I think that the Colts will get the win here and will move back to four and four yeah, when we were in London, I reflected on the Colts at one and five in 2018, and I see the similarities where they went on a run. And since then, they've won two games in a row. And if they win this game this week, they've got the Jets next week, not to look too far ahead. And then they got the Jags the week after. So this this game, it really is the crunch game. If they were to come out of this game with the two games that, that, that are ahead of them and potentially win those games, they're right back in the, in the opportunity to win the division. This game for the last six, the last six games have all revolved around Derek Henry. It doesn't come as a surprise. He's run for 120 yards average against his Colts defense. And John Taylor, who's 
looks like he's coming to his own in terms of being the lead rusher for this Colts team. He did score any touchdowns against this Titans team last year, but I think he's going to correct that. And Wentz, and I touched on a few weeks ago, despite the loss in in uh, in Baltimore, like that that defeat could have went two ways. We've seen teams lose heartbreakers like that where they've had so many points ahead and they've lost games and their season is derailed. In fairness to the Colts, they seem to have taken that game on in terms of, right, we didn't win it, we didn't win it. We lost to a really good Ravens team who are going to be challengers you know, in the playoffs, potentially going deep in the playoffs. And they've looked at that, I think, and said, look, we're a good team. On our day, we can go up against the best of them. And I'm with Colin. I'm in lockstep with Colin. I think the Colts are going to win this game. This division, year in, year out, has ways of... It's strange. The away team tends to win, and more so than the home team. But for me, I think the Colts are going to just about have enough to win this game. And Wentz, who's thrown two touchdowns in him for the last four games, no interceptions, has another productive game. Colts. Uh, so actually, if Wentz throws another game with two touchdowns and no interceptions, he becomes the first Colts quarterback of all time to have five games like that in a row. When you consider the quarterbacks they've had, Manning, Luck, like I could make a joke here about any other Colts quarterbacks, but I won't. I'll be nice. Well, Johnny, you okay? I'll be I'll be nice. Baltimore Colts back in the day. Um, that's kind of impressive. Um, Jonathan Taylor is a threat. He was a rookie last year and was on a bit of a snap count. I think he only had seven snaps and won the games against the Titans. So, you know, this is his first baptism, really, in this particular rivalry. But, guys, look at what the Titans have done in the last two weeks. Look at what they've done on every single drive. In the last two weeks, they've had 13 drives. They've scored on 11 of them. And the only two they didn't score on were kneel downs at the end of the half and the end of the game against Buffalo. They are, at the moment, an irresistible force uh, in respect of it. And uh, Mike Vrabel, you know, you might remember he played for a certain team called New England Patriots, um, but Bill Belichick always talked about uh, division games, the winning, locking down the division as what he called a hat and T-shirt game, that if you succeeded in kind of sealing the AFC East, it was a hat and T-shirt, because you come back into locker room, there's like AFC champions, and then hopefully next week it's first seed, and then you get on to the AFC championship, blah, blah, blah all of that momentum building. In many ways, this is a hat and t-shirt game because if they beat the Colts and they've got both games and they've got the tiebreaker over them, the AFC South is almost done on that basis because like, let's face it, the Jags and the Texans aren't making a move and they will have enough an advantage on the Colts. So the Titans are equally motivated in this regard. And for me, based on what they're doing the last couple of weeks, um, based on the fact that I'm still not convinced by Wentz. I'm still not convinced by the Colts. I do think the way they threw away the Baltimore game was appalling. I think the 49ers game, you consider the weather and things like that, there are different things in, in play. And so I really don't see them being the same force, the same threat, the same power that the Titans bring to bear. So for me, I'm I'm completely against you guys. I think the Titans are going to take this. Um, not comfortably, it's division game, intra-division games are always tough, but the Titans are going to win. See, Michael, I picked the Titans against the Bills and the Chiefs, and the Irish Titans uh, promised me some free drink, and it hasn't hasn't arrived at my doorstep just yet. So that's why I've shied away from them and gone to the Colts. I'll find some nice Colts fans that will look after me instead. Uh, no, the Titans, the, the Irish yeah. Titans just retweeted this broadcast. Yeah, so I know, yeah. Gurma, gentlemen, Gurma. I know. Um, also, I was wondering what the free pints tweet was about, so, so thank you for clearing that up. This, honestly, for me, could be the game of the week. I, I really like it. I like the way it's set up. But I'm going with Mark, boys. You, you've pretty much covered all the angles apart from, I don't think anybody's mentioned Derek Henry in the last six minutes. 
Yeah, I, no, I, I, I said that the, the Colts have did. struggled oh, my, to, my, to contain them up in the past, and I think they will again. I, as I said, I think the Titans are the better team. I think the Colts will win. But like see it online, and a lot of people are talking about the, the the Titans injury problems. So the Titans have got like Julio Jones out, for example. They've got like six or seven different injuries. I, I don't think that's going to be an issue in this game. I really don't. I think this, as Brian said as well, looking at the records for these teams, five and two for the Titans. Titans going to this game going right. Let's go six and two. Let's kill this division off, boys. I, I genuinely think that's what's going to happen. I think the Titans will win by ten points, boys. I think the Titans will go over thirty points. I think it'll be a good game, and it'll go to the fourth. But I think the Titans will pull away. It really Eric is. Henry to... State touchdowns. Sorry, uh, Michael. It really is a make-or-break game. Like Max made the point: if they win, if the Titans win this game, I wouldn't say they're home and hose, but they're not far off it. And if the Colts were to pull this game out of bag, well, then they're back what within a game potentially. And then with the with the with the lineup of games they've got coming up potentially, you know, making a run. Who knows? But so yeah, I agree. I think it is the, probably arguably the game of the weekend. Certainly one of the most intriguing games. There's a comment from Betty Swallocks saying Wentz balling. So yeah, look, I, I I like Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is a is a Super Bowl champion, and we've also got a great article from Keith Boyle on the AFC South going out tomorrow morning on on our website. Both looking back at Week Seven, but looking ahead to Week Eight and this huge game on Sunday between these two games. So make sure to check it out tomorrow morning on our website. Are, are we ready to move on? Has anybody got any points? Ready to move on? Yeah. Okay. There's no way I'd be done with by 12, but the Bengals <laughs> are five and two, the Jets are one and five. Colin, sell me this game, my friend. Sell me this game. Uh, the, the Bengals offense that should sell you. I'm watching them, they've been brilliant. Um, Jamar Chase is the third Bengal to win an AFC player of the week award this season. Which tells you just how well the Bengals are playing. And um, also, this is a Bengals offense that's going up against a, a Jets team that's been outscored 44 to nothing um, in the first quarter of games this season. It's a Jets team that chipped 54 points to a Patriots team who aren't exactly explosive on offense um, and going up against a Bengals team who are. It's a jet. It's a Jets team that has allowed twenty sacks uh, in six games, and the Bengals sacked Lamar Jackson five times. It's it's a, it's a real struggle for for the Jets. Um, they've Mike White coming in at at QB. I imagine for for Robert Sala, um, you're looking at it essentially the rest of the season is trying to assess. Who's worth keeping around for, for next year? Who's worth building around? Who do you want to keep in the rebuild? Because it is going to be a complete rebuild. Um, and to that point, I would ask, what are they doing bringing in Joe Flacco? It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, it, this is a guy who uh, the Denver Broncos brought in. And when he was asked about mentoring uh, Drew Locke, who the Broncos had just drafted at that point, he had zero interest in doing that. So I, I don't see what Flacco gives you. I mean, what what he he he's not going to mentor anybody. We've seen the kind of sullen demeanor. If you're the Jets, it's all about assessing for next year. Flacco is not going to be there next season. So I I'm really kind of at a, at a loss to understand that. Um, I, I still have a, a lot of time for Robert Sala, but 
I just think for the the Jets, I don't see I don't see them, um, you know, being um, particularly competitive in this as long as the the Bengals show up. There will be better days ahead for the Jets, undoubtedly, but this is the Bengals going to six and two. Paul saying the Jets uh, will do well to score here. Do you agree with that, Brian? I don't know if that's that's probably a little bit hard. For, like White is starting a quarterback, it's going to be a difficult day for them. 1982, the last time the Bengals went into a game as double-digit favourites, you know, and they're 11 and a half points on the spread, which is I thought that was a bit big, to be honest. Bearing in mind, we've seen some games this season that have been relatively close for teams that are weak, but I think Cobbs alludes to it in terms of how strong the Bengals are this season, and they're only going in the right direction. And was as long as they don't look too far ahead and let down games and all that because they seem to be a team going in the right direction and chase them and how are you going to cover him and what they do you've got players such as t higgins Tyler Boyd that are just progressing nicely so for me it's it's the bengals all day it's one of those games i think we're all we'll all be in lockstep with one another on this one yeah i mean we could start and finish the analysis by just saying mike white is starting at quarterback and move swiftly on i mean look look i mean when the schedule makers made this game up you kind of thought oh Joe Burrow, the sophomore quarterback, going up against Zach Wilson, the number two pick from this year. And, of course, it hasn't transpired that way. You know, the fact that Zach Wilson isn't playing um, obviously probably doesn't detract too much because the Jets, just as a team, haven't been playing well. Colm sums it up well. The Jets are very much like the Texans this year in terms of, okay, what are the cornerstones or the pieces we want to build around? We've touched on before. They've got 25% their roster made up of rookies. Half of their roster made up of pros with less than two years' experience. Um, that's an awful lot uh, of young, young players that they're trying to assess. They're trying to establish whether or not to keep. And the problem is, by the time you've assessed them, by the time you've then built a couple of bit of a core and built around them, they're already getting towards their second contract and they're already not going to be able to hold on to them at the time. So uh, you end up in this vicious cycle, which it feels like the Jets have been in, you know, outside of the Rex Ryan era, probably since the time of Joe Namath. I think I saw Mike White is going to be the 36th quarterback to start for the Jets since Willie Joe Namath back in the day. The only, I think he's still the only uh, quarterback in the Hall of Fame actually with a losing record, Joe Namath, but there you go. He rightfully is there for, for his guarantee, if nothing else. Look, on this game itself, Brian, you think the line is too low? I don't. Look at some of the stats involved here. The Jets so far and defense have zero interceptions, the only team to do so. They're being outscored 44-zip in the first quarter in the games they've played so far. And the Bengals themselves are coming off back-to-back -back wins of more than 20 points against actually good sides, against sides that deserve to play. Love Teddy's comment, Jets 1-2-3 punt. The problem is I don't think they're always going to get up to three because they'll probably turn the ball over on one and two a few more times than you'd expect. Um, Colin, you're absolutely right. I watched every play last week. The Patriots are not the 2007 Patriots. They're not the 2011 Patriots. They are not an offensive uh, machine uh, designed to blow you out. But my God, it was, it was men against boys in so many respects. And look, don't get me wrong, I hate to see the New York Jets playing bad football. It breaks my heart on a daily basis. But the reality is they are not playing very good football. Um, the Bengals, on the other hand, are on the rise. Fantastic win last week. Yes, don't overlook this game. They've got to show that consistency week in, week out. 
Um, but my God, the heroes of force, they're exciting to watch. Joe Burrow is back to being as good as we saw him before his injury last year, and it's great to see. Can't wait for it. Uh, Bengals all the way. Keep marching on. Like the Saints go marching on. Sorry, don't know why that comes to mind. Um. It's happening. It's happening, boys. These Bengals are... Uh... It's happening, the Bengals. Yes, yeah, it's happening. Right. Oh, wait, are you going to pick the Jets again? This is going to be hilarious. Please do. Go on. You know, the Patriots game's up next, yeah? So, um, the Bengals are going to win this. Like, okay, let me just <coughs> learn from my mistakes in Navin. The reason that the Bengals are going to win this is because they've got a highly powered, young, offensive team. I really like the way they play football. The Jets, with Zach Wilson out and having a backward quarterback, are not going to play well. And I would like to see a good, competitive, close game, but I don't feel that it will be a good, competitive, close game, which means that the Bengals will win. I'm not sure if the Bengals will win comfortably because the game's in, the, in well, sorry, I was going to say New York, but it's not New York. It's New Jersey. That's, that's t- tomato, tomato. It's like saying Crew Parks and me if it's not. Um, but the, the reality is the Bengals should win this game. I, I'm picking the Bengals to win this game. And the Bengals moving the six and two. Uh, and Brian, you, you've you've got a point. I don't know if it's about the Giants or the Giants. no. I was just going to say where where I do see the Jets potentially getting the upper hand is on on the offensive line. The interior offensive line in particular has been quite weak for the Bengals, and Burrow has done really well. But we saw a couple of weeks back when the Jets, you know, front seven got to the, got to the, um, the Tannehill, and um, they struggled. And you know, they was they're a poor team. They do have players that can make plays, and if they do somehow. Get your upper hand there, potentially could slow the game down. I don't think it's enough to make the win, but I don't think it could be a blowout like a lot of people think if they somehow can get the borough and make him struggle. I'm trying to help the Jets fans out here and give them some glimmer and light in the game. Um I'll tell you what, I think the Jets have a better chance than one of these teams. One of the teams that we're going to talk about in the next half an hour. Next game, Patriots going up against the Chargers in SoFi Stadium. Mac Jones is, well, I mean, maybe Mac Jones, Colin, will be back in SoFi Stadium in February. Maybe he'll buy a hot dog as well when he's watching the game with us. But uh, an intriguing game ahead this weekend. I think it is a, a, an interesting game, given what Bill Belichick and the Patriots did to the Chargers and Justin Herbert last year, a 45 nothing beatdown. Um, I mean, it was an absolute Belichick masterclass on what to do with a, a rookie QB. But as Austin Eckler said, this is not the Chargers team from last year. Now, Matt Jones ha- has been very good. Not surprised by that. And I actually think a lot of what the Patriots do will... Be, will it help them against this Chargers team? Chargers are awful against the run. Patriots run the ball pretty, pretty solidly. Not, not again, not explosively, um, but solidly. And the Chargers are really good against the deep pass and against big chunk plays. That's not what the Patriots tend to do. Um, it tends to be a lot of the the dink and duck stuff. So the Patriots can certainly cause the the Chargers problems. The issue for the Patriots is that their three wins have come against the Jets and the Texans. And the Denver Broncos had three wins and they were 3-0, and but then you saw the caliber of the teams that they, they beat. 
And that's, I think, the issue for, for the Patriots. So I think this could be a really intriguing game. I think Staley against Belichick should be interesting to see. I think that the Chargers are, are going to be looking for revenge after last last year's game. I think Herbert has taken um, you know further steps from an impressive rookie year. I think the Chargers want to make a, a statement after what was a really disappointing loss uh, to the Ravens. So I have the Chargers edging it, but I think this will be very close. That defeat last year for the Chargers against the Patriots was the worst defeat in their in their history. Um, I still think they'll have a, a point to prove on that game. And 164 yards on average, the Chargers are giving up on their own game. So whilst they might win this game, and I, I, do, I do do side with the Chargers, I think it will be a closer game than people think. I've seen a lot of people this week kind of picking the Patriots and feeling that that line of five and a half was a little bit, bit too much and it'll be a lot closer than people than people think but for the Chargers to make a long-term run in terms of going towards the Super Bowl they've got to correct this run game issue and Damien Harris is, is the kind of player that can exploit that all day long and I think that's what the Patriots will do <laughs> Key looked after us in London didn't he? Um, look I think the Patriots will play well and I think they'll keep it reasonably close and uh, Mac Jones funny enough I said it the other day when we were talking Mac Jones has thrown more yards than Justin Herbert this season would you believe at the, and I think he's only one, one, one ball left one ball less in terms of how many attempts he's had. So not so bad a quarterback after all, you know, and I think he will only get better. But for me, Justin Herbert has moved on and I think the Chargers coming off the boy, as Colin has rightly said, will be looking to prove a point after that. Tough road lost to the Chargers, sorry, to the Ravens. I think the Chargers will win, but I do think they'll be close as well. I'm glad you brought that stat up, Brian. I was about to mention that for Mac Jones. Killing you tonight with stats, yeah. Yeah, my, my, Michael, Michael's Mac Jones' favourite fan, so I, I, I knew he'd enjoy that one. But look, um, it's it's a bit difficult for me because look, you know, I'm a Pats fan on this, but Justin Herbert for me is the class of the last couple of years uh, as a quarterback. We just talked about Joe Burrow and how well he's playing, but Herbert and what he can do and how consistent he's been, he's got the prettiest deep ball in football um, and how he has been performing. You know, I think with the moves they've made in the offseason and shoring up the offensive line, obviously with the moves at the coaching position as well and what uh, Staley has brought to the game, they uh, are revolutionising what the Chargers do and therefore are making them a legitimate Super Bowl contender, not just a playoff contender, and a legitimate Super Bowl contender um, this season. The AFC is going to be wild and wacky this year and I think the Chargers are going to have a say in all of it. Um, the funny thing for me is the Patriots are in many ways the Chargers' bogey team. You meant you all rightly mentioned the forty-five zip loss. Patriots, I, I can't remember. I, I honestly, I'm not saying this in a way to wind up a Chargers fan. I can't remember the Patriots losing to the Chargers. There's been many games we should have lost. I remember a game where the Chargers had four turnovers on stupid things like the receiver not being down and dropping the ball because it was his first year out of college on the ground celebrating the Patriots defenders stepping, you know, jumping on it. Generally, the Patriots have beaten the Chargers by being better coached than the Chargers. Understanding, I'm not so sure that that advantage necessarily exists in the same way as it did for example under the Schottenheimer or under Lynn in the past. So there is a very different environment there. Uh, everybody wants to talk about the 45 and 0, rightly so. What happened the week after? Well, the Patriots went to the Rams and got shellacked 24-3 on Thursday Night Football against the defensive coordinator who absolutely locked them down, who now happens to be the head coach of the Chargers. I mean, 
Austin Eckler's questionable. If I'm looking for positives from a Patriots perspective, we've had so much movement on the offensive line. Ten different people have had playing time there in the first seven games, but hopefully it's locking down and settling down a little bit. Damian Harris could be the first person to go for 100 yards in three consecutive first running back to go for 100 yards in three consecutive games since Corey Dillon back in 2004. And yes, against the Charger defense that's given up 162.5 yards on the ground, now's as good a time as any to pull that off. Um, we talked actually earlier in the week, briefly talked to our friend Danny Woodhead, who's going to come back on the show in a couple of weeks' time. And he was mentioning about how positive he was about what Mac has done so far, but equally he's only nothing but excited about Justin Herbert and what he's seen from the Chargers and the potential there uh, in that Chargers team. I would love to say that Patriots are going to control it on the ground. Belichick's going to come up with another amazing game plan and they're somehow going to defend and make take advantage of the Chargers, especially on special teams, which is still a nightmare for the Chargers. That is their big flaw at the moment. Their special teams is still appalling. Um, I want to say the Patriots. The head said the heart says the Patriots. The head says the Chargers. Screw it. I'm going with the heart. Patriots to win. Michael, sorry, just sorry, Mike. just a quick one. Two quick ones. Yeah, that's going mute. Um, <clears throat> sorry, Mark, I'm in shock with your pick. Um, Mark says that the Chargers haven't beaten the Patriots for a while. The Patriots are going for six wins in a row against the Chargers. And Mark referred, was from reminiscing about episodes, you know, throughout the last year. It was actually on that episode when the Rams played the Patriots on our Thursday night show last November, where Mark called out that the Patriots would, in fact, draft Mac Jones. He was in the war room well in advance. I was, I was calling it. I will say this, right? And, and look, I'm not trying to defend my pick because it's probably indefensible in many respects. I'm not sure the Patriots are going to win this. But last season, we were all talking about how bad the Pats were at times. And they sneak a win against the Ravens out of nowhere that nobody expected. This season already, they nearly beat the Cowboys, albeit that was more with Cowboys ineptitude than necessarily Patriots' great play. There's always a game where out of nowhere, Belichick pulls something out. Maybe this is the game. Go Pats. Well, just going on what you said there, there's there's always a game that maybe he pulls it out. He's had to play in the first few weeks of the season. He's played the Jets twice, and he's played the Texans. So if we're looking if we're looking at stats, and you know Mac Jones has done very well for his rookie season, um, so let's just let's just chill the Jets, shall we say? You know, chill chill the breaks, boys. Uh, I seen a really good tweet yesterday, and it actually takes me into my next game that we're going to talk about. Uh, with 79,701 uh, passing yards on Sunday against the Chargers, Mac Jones would break Tom Brady's all-time passing record as him and Brady throws for zero yards. That got 6,000 likes on Twitter. I thought it was funny, personally. Uh, <laughs> I think I, Mac I, Jones... I'd imagine you'll want the Patriots to win, Michael, to, to maintain your opportunity to win this division. As a Broncos fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, I don't think they will win. I think the Chargers will win this game. I think they'll win it comfortably, to be honest with you. I think Mac Jones has got potential, like any rookie quarterback in the league. Um, but again, he is almost as stiff as I feel right now after a few days in Portugal. And he's always that stiff. And he's played the Jets twice and the Texans. If he goes to SoFi Stadium tomorrow and play well and plays well, I will publicly apologize. Um and yeah, that's it. Now, one of the replies to that tweet, by the way, the Chargers are going to win. So 
one of the replies to that tweet was the 79,000 one was and Myers will still go scoreless. And then somebody replied to that bigger chance that Max throws for 79,000 yards than Myers ever getting in the end. So let's look at the next game. The Jacksonville Jaguars won one and five against the two and five Seattle Seahawks. Colin, this has been a year to forget so far for Seattle. Yeah, it has. Um, and it got Pete it got Pete Carroll to say a bit about Russell Wilson that if it hadn't been for Russell Wilson, he might not have been in Seattle for as long as he has been. Because I imagine if he had to have Gino play, who was sacked five times last week, who threw for 167 yards last week, and half of those came on the pass to DK Metcalf. Uh, who after that got in uh, Lattimore's face and then disappeared for the rest of the game. Um, Tyler Lockett, their guy who was so impressive at the beginning of the season, just MIA currently. Um, You would say for both of these teams, they would both say, the Jags will say, oh, great, well, we have a chance against the Seahawks, and the Seahawks will say, oh, great, we we have a chance against the the Jags. it, it's difficult to, I'd say the next couple of games that we're going to talk about, it's difficult to get very excited about because um, they both, all of these teams are, are struggling. But Trevor Lawrence is improving. Um, he's over a uh, great over 90 for the past three games. Um, and the Seahawks are not particularly good against the, the pass. You'd like if Lawrence had a couple of more weapons to throw to, that's, uh, I think, a bit of an issue. Um, the Jags, though, are awful at con- converting on third down, absolute bottom of, of the league. This could, this should be the Seahawks, especially as they're at home. But how excited will the 12th man be uh, for a 2 and 5 team with Geno Smith at QB? Um, if if the Jags had a different head coach uh, and and add Trevor Lawrence, I'd absolutely go for them because I think Lawrence is going to be outstanding. But I don't trust Urban, Urban Meyer. I think Pete Carroll finds a way, but uh, I I don't know if this is one that's, that's going to feature on Red Zone all that much. There's two teams I call out at Seattle Seahawks right now. Uh, one, it's, it's probably bad news for all the fans that are, uh, of all the teams around the league. Broncos, other teams that are looking for a quarterback this offseason because I felt that this Russell Wilson saga would roll around this in the next offseason and potentially would see a trade. But I think the Se- Seahawks will realise now what a pair they have on their hands because when he's not there and you see them playing with Geno Smith, they realise how good he is. And for me, I don't think he'd be going anywhere. And Pete Carroll, in fairness, despite the uh, two losses, they won in Pittsburgh. They had an opportunity to win that game. They rallied it when they were 14 0 down. And look, that game on Monday night, I think Saints probably won a little bit more comfortably than the score suggests. But they're keeping in games. And Tyler Lockett for them for me is key. He had 178 yards in the first two games. Since then, he's had 159 in four in five games. They need to get him more involved. Metcalf had that big touchdown on, on, on Monday. And I know they won in London. I know there's a big hoopla. I know there was hype about it. But I'm still not sold on the Jags because prior to that game, they lost, what was it, 20-odd games in a row. They'd given up over 20 points for 17 games in a row. They're going into Seattle. And despite the record, Seattle is Seattle. And the 12th men will be up for it. So for me, I actually think this game is a blowout. And I think Gino's going to have a nice day out. And I think he's going to win. I, I don't know if he's going to have a nice day out, Brian. But yes, it is unusual 
Then Twelfth Man sees uh, Seattle losing a home, especially early in the season. In fact, so far they've lost the first three games at home this year. It's the first time since 1992. I mean, anytime you have to go back 30 years to see an occurrence like that, that's uh, obviously you can do, imagine you're dealing with an atypical year. Um, <laughs> Colin has left us. Um, one of the fascinating things for me on this is Urban Meyer has made no secret of the fact of how much he actually admires Pete Carroll and he admires the coaching staff and the players and the construct he built in Seattle. He was actually asked about it during the week because there's no fewer than 11 players or former coaches, including Darren Bevel, including Brian Schottenheimer, who are now with the Jaguars, who are going back to Seattle. And he said, yeah, it's not an accident. Yeah, really admire what he did. Not an accident. I'm trying to mirror that and everything. And given they're uh, both, uh, and Colm's obviously quite uh, angry about Pete Carroll's past in USC, you could be angry about Urban Meyer's past in the college game as well in terms of scandal hit and enterprises. So um, they've definitely got a few things in common, shall, you say, shall we say. So it's a bit of a reunion. Sound the reunion, Claxon Michael, for many players in this game. But I'm kind of with Brian. Like, the Jags have the better quarterback by far. The Jags have a lot going for them. They've got a bit of positivity finally going for them. But I just feel like the Seahawks will have enough, especially with the 12th man. And they have played tough in those games, even though they have to put up with Geno Smith as their quarterback, which I know. It feels like they're in the seventh circle of hell um, and they're slowly working their way down. But two and five, two and five, um, that is just painful if you're a Hawks fan. Um, look, I'll take the Seahawks. I don't feel particularly comfortable with it, but sure, I just picked the Patriots in the last game, so I'm clearly out of it. Go on. They haven't lost four games. Oh, I'm not. Devin, sorry, they haven't lost four games in a row. I know you're talking about the home record, Mark Tens wins the last time, but just four games under itself when they're home and away, they haven't lost that in 12 years. Some things like that just don't happen. And for me, Mark, you were talking about a re you were talking about a reunion, yeah. The reunion klaxon, Michael, yeah. 11, 11. Oh, it's back, it's back, it's back. Me waking up anybody who's dozed off at late in late. <laughs> 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 um. <laughs> Jesus, it's just more often. Um, I really like the fight in the Jags in London. I loved seeing Urban Meyer not understand what I was saying to him. Trevor Lawrence is is a very, very good-looking man. A very, very good-looking man. The Jaguars pulled off a result as good as Shamrock Rovers yesterday, boys, winning in London. And going on how the Falcons have played after... And the way in which Seattle's played over the last few weeks, I'm going to take it as my shock of the week. I'm, I'm going to take the Jaguars to beat the Seahawks in a game that goes with the under. Uh, Jaguars maybe get 17, maybe win like 17, 14. I can't see how Geno Smith can get that team down the line. I think in terms of the 12s, I think they've checked out. They're watching the hockey. I don't think they really care anymore this season. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm taking the Jags with the, with the big upset. Um, and let's let's see what happens, boys. Uh, so, so you're going to be watching the Seattle Kraken. We mentioned the Atlanta Braves earlier on. You know, geez, we'll have to slot in an NBA franchise now for one of the teams, and you know, we'll, we'll cover the whole big four. I think Russell Wilson going down just on that point has has saved Pete Carl's job for another year. 
Maybe we'll get Pete Carroll on. He posts on LinkedIn a lot. I'm trying to DM him, but I can't get him on. So, Colin, bear with me on that. Colin, uh, we're, we're going to skip the next game. Yeah, and move on to uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Are we, are, we, are we happy enough to do that? Yeah. I mean, Washington. Really, really, really enticing game in my life. Uh, <clears throat> Washington football team at the Denver Broncos. Washington football team two and five at the three and four Denver Broncos. Peyton Manning is being uh, enthroned or whatever into the ring of fame. Brandon Stokely, who came on our show beforehand, will throw a thirty-yard pass to Peyton. Sorry, will not throw a Will receive a thirty-yard pass from Peyton Manning. That'd be weird uh, at, at at Empire Field. That may be the only action column that people will see in the end zone tomorrow. Yeah, you can't say this is a particularly enticing game. Might be the least enticing game of the the weekend, um, especially given that Jerry Judy was slated to return, and it now seems that 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 even is questionable because the Broncos are not allowed to have nice things. I mean, you've got two of the most disappointing sides in the NFL going up against one another, and I was listening to the PFF podcast this week and. They made the point that in the ELO rankings, this is essentially the this is the same team, right? 23rd going to get 24th overall, 20th versus 21st in terms of offense, 16th versus 17th in terms of defense. Both of these franchises in desperate need of a franchise QB. Both will be in search of that at the the end of the the season. In the Broncos um past three games, not one time have they held the lead. And four of the Broncos' seven opponents, including the last three, have each scored a touchdown on their first possession. So uh, that's pretty awful if you're a Broncos head coach and a defensive mastermind that um, the scripted plays are beating you um, and and beating you um, all ends up. Um, Broncos have given up 21 sacks in, in seven games. We talked earlier in the year, I mean, even against the, the Giants, Teddy Bridgewater was running for his life. We talked that it wasn't sustainable, and, and here we are. Um, Washington haven't been impressive on, on defense, and particularly in terms of that uh, vaunted pass rush, but they got to Rodgers three times last week, and they have been getting pressure, if not sacks. Um, but despite the fact that they get pressure, what's worrying for them is they they can't defend the pass. Um, but unfortunately, I don't know if the Broncos are going to be able to, to take advantage of that. If they can, then they, they should win. Um, but and, and I'm going to say that given the issues that the Washington football team have, this should be the, the Broncos getting back to 500. Brian, what do you think? When I learned now I have to get the Broncos beaten, Colin, unfortunately for you, is just pick them because I picked them the last three weeks and they lost every time. And I'm going to pick them again for this game. And to be honest, it's a lot to do with the fact of what you're saying. There's just no faith right now in this uh, Washington football team's defense. You know, we've touched on how the, the, I suppose we proclaimed as arguably one of the best defenses going into the season it hasn't materialized. Um, I did think there was, a, there was an up. You know, you're right in fairness what you're saying about last week's performance. And not just on the defense, in fact, the offense played really well. And particularly, uh, you know, he was unfortunate with that touchdown. I know we said the rules are the rules now, you know, and years gone by that would have been a touchdown. And but they had chances last week, they were in the red zone four times and they didn't, I don't think they put any of them away. So they would have walked away from that game thinking it'd be a great opportunity going into Lambo. They held the Packers to 24 points, but look, it's a different week. And like, we shows where the Broncos are now that the fact that you know, you see this, you know, Von Miller now being potentially being the main. 
candidate to be traded by Tuesday, which is worrying because if he goes, where where does that leave him on the on the front seven? He's their main player, and uh, there we go. I'm picking the Broncos because I feel the Broncos are more secure offensively to go down and up and down the field and score enough points, and I think your defense will do enough to curtail any Washington offense having a second good game two weeks in a row. The the clapper, which we all hope alludes to his propensity to to clap randomly on the sidelines and not due to any um, other issues he may be suffering from from a medical perspective. But uh, on this game in particular, um, look, I mean, God, it's a bit of a depressing game. Michael, I know when the Broncos were 3-0, and I made a joke to you that said, well, they're well on their way to at least start in the season 4-5 and five. Or, you know, if they're lucky, or maybe three and six. You got a bit in the hump with me, but I knew it would prove prescient in relation to it. This is the game which can lead them to the promised land of four and five, because they won't win next week. Um, if they don't win it, like, you know, you're looking down the barrel at three and six, you're looking down a long, long season to come there. And you're absolutely right in calling out Look who the Patriots have beaten. They've only beaten the Jets twice and the Texans. It's not exactly murderous row. And the Broncos, you're right there with us, guys, you know, with the Jets, Giants, and uh, and Texans as well, wasn't it? Jacks. Jacks. Oh, the yeah, Jets, Giants. Now. So anyway, um, what worries me a little bit if I'm a Broncos fan is actually some of the noises coming out. So this would be, if you fail to win today, it's your first winless October since 1967. And during the week... Teddy Bridgewater came out, and I'll, I'll probably mess up the quote, but he kind of said, it's not time yet to panic, but it's getting there. And then almost immediately, Von Miller's kind of going like, no, this is panic time. Time to sound the alarm. We need to win now. We have to have a sense of urgency and all-time high. So they can't even agree on whether it's not time to panic, um, which doesn't really bode well for a degree of consistency amongst the organization. Um you are honouring Peyton Manning at halftime. I think at both times, you're honouring pre-game for the Hall of Fame and then halftime going into the Denver Broncos ring of fame. So, you know, he gets gets it on the double. Um, equally, Washington is in a weird state. But the last two weeks, they played the Chiefs. They completely locked them down in the first half. They played the Packers really tough last week. The defence has definitely rounded more into shape can Taylor Heineke keep up enough momentum, especially with the altitude maybe playing a bit, you know, first time playing at altitude? Always plays a little bit funnier for quarterbacks as well. Something Brady has suffered with during his career uh, down in Mile High. Look, Jerry Judy's coming back uh, likely for the Broncos. It should be the Broncos, but I just feel it's kind of like whose tailspin is worse. And I still feel you're coming into crash land a little bit harder and heavier with a replacement head coach for the end of the season. And surprisingly, I think the Washington football team will therefore win it. Um, and I take no pleasure in that, but yeah, I just have that feeling. Maybe either that, or I just want to give away my lead in the picks league this, this year. I, I'm just trying to level it up guys, but I'll go with Washington. Okay. Uh, well, f thank you for that. That seemed like almost like an apology there. So, so thanks. Th thanks very much for that. Um, I'm happy you said that about uh, the the murmurings out of, out of training this week in terms of the coach saying everything's fine and the players saying it's, it's time to, you know, it's very, it's very, very frustrating 
Um, if I was the management of this franchise, not that they have any at the minute because they have no owner, but uh, they would move back this Ring of Fame appearance until next year. The reality is, uh, I am scared that the Broncos on Sunday are going to make Taylor Heineke look like a Hall of Fame quarterback. Genuinely, I, I am very concerned. I, I think that half the team has checked out. I think talk of Vaughn Miller being traded. I think as a fan for a start, if, if that was to happen and he was to leave this team, based upon everything he's done at this point in the season, without a proper send-off, would be unforgivable uh, on the current management in this team. But that's a whole different conversation. If Von Miller's on the trading block, Von Miller is not active on Sunday against Washington. Um, I look at Terry McLaurin. I look at Jedi McKissick. I look at Seals Jones, Logan Thomas. Washington will beat the Broncos. No problem whatsoever. Should they beat the Broncos? No. But they will. They will beat them by 7 to 10 points. And I don't think Vic Fangio should be fired. Because a team like the Broncos don't fire their coach during the season. They did after a London game. But they won't fire him. He will continue on to the point where it's beyond toxic. And I think they have no idea what they're at. And it's depressing to say that. I've got Washington by 7 to 10 points. And I'll say this early because you've mentioned it, Mark. The Cowboys are going to cover by about 30 or 40 next week on the Broncos. That is, it's coming next week. Can I just make a, a point on the Von Miller situation? Like you're saying, and I know you obviously have great affection for the guy, like like any team, any sport does. But if they don't make a deal now, where does that lead them in the long run? Is George Payne not better? You know, if it's a last season, come Tuesday, are they not better off giving him the opportunity to go play somewhere else where he potentially could win a Super Bowl? And rebuild because it's a rebuild, you know, and you need more picks and you need to bring in players that can cover across different positions further down the line. So I know you're saying about he doesn't get to send off he deserves and stuff, but we've seen it in the past, players get traded and you know, you have to think long term what the right thing is for the team and, and the organization as a whole. And I'm not saying that because it's a Broncos. That's that's just I think the Giants will trade Evan Ingram on, on Tuesday. Would I be happy about it? Probably not, because he's he's still our best tight end. But I can see why, at this stage of the season, if we lose on Monday night to the Chiefs, which a lot of people would expect it to happen, I think he'd be gone come Tuesday. In particular, he might end up in Green Bay, having them lost their main tight end. I could see a situation where they will offer a third or a fourth. Maybe three is too heavy, but look, it's the same situation. It's um, it, yeah. I, I was just going to say one storyline we didn't mention. Underrated running backs a little bit. Antonio Gibson for the Washington football team. It's not quite in the Taylor category and things like this or the Henry category, but he's effective and he's going to be quite good there. And on the Denver side, guys, I mean, Javante Williams has basically taken over the starters gig from Melvin Gordon at this stage. Like, is it this week confirmed or is it just going to be gradual during the season? But he's certainly got more upside by a long way. Well, I think, Mark, the, the issue is that the Broncos don't know how to use the, the two running backs. I mean, you can see the Packers utilize, like, Dylan got the most yards. I mean, this is a league now where running backs can complement each other, like, unless you have a Derrick Henry type, you know, but the Broncos have two solid running backs. And I agree, Williams has much more upside and, and he runs really well and he runs angry and he breaks tackles. Um, but the Broncos should be able to utilize Melvin Gordon um, Pat Shermer hasn't been able to do that. Pat Shermer also gave an answer during um, press conference during the week. Yeah, ah, sometimes you don't score in first in the first half of the game. Yeah, well, look, forget about him. Sorry, guys. 
Like, I've had to sit through two years of listening to that man, and I was listening to that man as the head coach, not even the offensive coordinator. Anything that comes out of his mouth, write it off. I think I think we could look at the, like uh, I could talk about this the closing one. I'll talk about this in a general sense for ten seconds, and we'll move on. Guys like Von Miller, guys that have won a Super Bowl, been MVP, and have been through a been, like you know Miller probably sat off the Super Bowl and went right. I've got another couple of chances to win the ring here. He didn't do it. It's unfortunate for him. He might be looking at an opportunity in LA and going, "I deserve this." And fair play to him if he doesn't. Um, we'll, we'll come back to that. Maybe maybe uh, Mark or Colm. We'll share a live show on Tuesday. Or we could bypass, like, we don't need to do Monday Night Football live, boys, the Chiefs against the Giants, do we? I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. I thought we'd get a better reaction. I'm only joking. Of course, we're going to be live on Monday night. Big game. Bucks 6 and 1, Saints 4 and 2. Colin, intriguing game. Saints 4 and 2, as, as Mark disappears. Yeah, I mean, given what the, the Saints are, you know, moving on from. Uh, historic franchise QB. Um, it's a not a not a bad record, uh, and going up against division rival who they beat up in the regular season last year, but then the uh, the playoffs arrived. You, I mean, if you if you're if you're looking, I suppose for hope, it's that the the Bucks haven't been as as good on on the D line this year as they were at the end of last season, and losing Levante David has made them easier to run on um, and the the Saints I suppose have taken action they brought Mark Ingram back because Alvin Kamara is a very good running back but he's not a guy you want he's not a Derrick Henry type who you want to give the ball to every time in fact by giving him the ball more this year they've actually seen his um, yards uh, per carry drop so I think that's a good move uh, from from the the Saints, but the issue for the Saints is their receiving core is just so bad. Um, you know, if uh, if they maybe had some of the Broncos wide receivers, this would be potentially a, a, a much better game because they'd be able to take advantage of a beat up Bucks secondary. But Callaway, who is their top receiver, is on pace for seven hundred and fifty yards in a seventeen game season in an. NFL, which has slanted towards the offense, and and that's a, a huge concern if you're um, the the Saints. I I'm intrigued to see Lattimore versus Mike Evans. I think that will be something to keep an eye on. Um, Sam Anson made the point that Lattimore seems to need you to get in his face uh, in order to do that. DK Metcalf made the mistake of doing it in the game last week, and then Lattimore shut him down. Uh, he always seems to want to play against Evans. Uh, now Evans is, is an incredible wide receiver. He really is, and uh, he, you know, Antonio Brown goes out last week. Evans steps up. This will be uh, as a division game. It it, it should be a, a good game. I think two really good um, coaching staffs. I mean, the what the job Bruce Arians and his staff have done has been fantastic, and Sean Payton is a, a really really good coach, but. The Bucks are going to have too much for the Saints for me. Economy, you asked about hope and where the Saints will find hope from. They'll find hope from a defense that's ranked third in the league um, and has been really strong last year and has been very strong this year. And but, um, but you look again on the upside for the, the Bucks, 17.6% in terms of rushes on Brady, the best in the league. So the offensive line again is proving again, like similar enough to when they went into the playoffs last year, that they're there to help Brady and he can. Do what he needs to do. What's overlooked as well because of that the playoff 
uh, defeat for the Saints last year. Saints have had their books number. Like prior to that, they'd won five in a row. They only gave up 26 points last year to the books and three points of which was in the game in, in Tampa. So as well, I see Sean Payton has readjusted his offense this season. He's completely gone run-orientated to, to a large to a large extent. And once they won on Monday, I felt what was missing on Monday for them was Taysom Hill. He wasn't there. Um, he's that kind of Swiss Army Knight that they just call upon. And he's a wild card in every game. I was on books all week. This is a strange one. I don't know why. I just, Mark's looking at me as if like this is supposed to be a blowout, you know. So uh, now I'm going to pick the Saints. Saints caused you upset. Um, and what they'll be level. They'll be level in the division. I saw a lot, a lot of people saying this week, five and a half point books favourites. That's too big. Saints can be very strong at home. I'm going to pick the Saints. The Saints are still starting Jameis Winston, the quarterback, right? Just just checking. I didn't miss something that strangely happened. Um, their defense is strong. You're absolutely right. Their defense is consistent, Brian. On run defense, um, they are, I wouldn't quite say locked down, but they're they're powerful on run defense. And in fairness, the Bucks rushing game has been spotty at best. Mike Evans will be blocked out by Marshall Lattimore, and Antonio Brown is still not playing. What does that mean? Well, it just means get on OJ Howard or Cameron Brait to score a touchdown at any time. And I'll take Chris Godwin at two plus touchdowns and whatever yards the over-under is for him during the game, because Godwin will have a game. Uh, he has against the Saints in years gone past, uh, when effectively Mike Evans is removed from the game, and he will this week. I mean, the most fascinating thing for me this week was more about Tom Brady on Monday Night Football with the Manning brothers, yucking it up and getting in trouble with Ryan Shazier and various defensive players for saying the defenses are like dogs chasing cars. And effectively making a comment is like, have you ever gone into a defensive game room? Well, after about five minutes, you realize these guys would never make it as offensive players. You're kind of going, Shazir's called him out. So like, are you basically calling defensive players dumb? And I think he was. So um, you can imagine defenses will have even more reason to love Tom Brady this week. Um, but I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout, Brian. But I mean, what have the Saints done this year? Outside the first game where they shocked the world, they haven't done much. They haven't done much other than have a consistent enough defense, but they haven't done much on offense. They haven't had a home advantage in the way they used to always have. They're a, a, a vast shadow of what they used to be. And yes, I know you can say, well, they beat the Bucks a lot twice last year, and they probably should have beaten them in the playoffs, except for obviously it didn't quite pan out that way. But that was with Breeze there. Um, Kamara hasn't perform to the extent he can and that's probably a, a reflection of the rest of the offense in relation to it i honestly was shaking my head i don't see i think five and a half is too low um i'll comfortably take the over on the bucks on this one because i think they're going to win comfortably by over a touchdown i know it's a division game they can always be funky but i don't see the saints being in the same league well they're in the same league but they're not in the same league I think what we're what we've recognised this season is how good how good a head coach Sean Payton is because with Breeze move going on and in fairness Breeze could certain extent was holding them back now sure to be honest you know just he wasn't getting the balls down the field but like Winston isn't the long term answer but yet they're four and two and they win tomorrow tomorrow to be tied with Saints in the, or sorry with the Bucks in the division so I think he finds ways when they're when they're up against the scheme and find ways to pull wins out of the bag and that's why I just feel. Something says to me that the Saints will just do enough to win this game. The Saints are coming. The Saints are coming. Um, 
Yeah, look, Sean Payton, it's it's an interesting situation with Halloween. I'm not sure if you'll get any bars of bounty through the trick or treat, but uh, maybe a maybe a Mars bar or two. Bounty key. Ooh, indeedy, my friend, indeedy. Um, I'm with Mark. I I think that I think the Bucks will cover this massively. I think Brady can throw it himself at this point. Um, I I I don't get the hype around the Saints defense. Does somebody want to challenge me on that? Like, I mean, I don't think there is. That's down line, Michael. I bet we're seven weeks in, and it's the Saints. I don't but it's know. the same defense know. that was very strong last year, and they've only got they've only improved. So, time will tell. I'm 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 taking the Bucks by ten to fourteen. I think the Bucks will go in and perform well. I like what you said. Did you say, Mark? Who was the running back you said would score two touchdowns if you're going to take him? I'm I'm picking Chris Godwin school two plus touchdowns. Chris Godwin, I like the Cameron Brett for for wide Ca- Cameron Brett so, any kind of touchdown. Yeah, I was about to say Scotty Miller, but Scotty Miller's gone. R.I.P. Scotty Miller for the season. And uh, he's not <laughs> dead. Kyle, I know he's not dead. It's it's twenty past twelve at night. We're, we're into Kyle Halloween. Fuller, he's, he's, Kyle he's, Fuller could end up in Tampa Bay on Tuesday. Just just putting that out there. He'll be a perfect trade for a team that is crying out for a player like Kyle Fuller. And maybe Kyle might deserve a ring because he's not going to get one where he is right now. Uh, before we look at Sunday Night Football, uh, I want to thank everybody for a start for your comments tonight. Uh, we've had 2,000 live viewers. Sensational. Ahead of match of the day. We've done well, boys. We're the premiership uh, in some cases. Uh, Matchbook Betting Exchange, our sponsors, have a £15 or €15 Euro welcome offer. Money back as cash if your first bet loses. Enter bonus code upon arrival, code Irish NFL Show. That's for new customers only. Uh, your odds must be at least of 1.8 or more to be eligible. Matchbook Betting Exchange, Brian offers both game lines, overs, props, and totals. What's on the cards this week? And we're not talking about the Arizona Cardinals because I know you all went through. Well, there's a little bit of overruling happening here, um, unfortunately, for Mark um, and for Colin to a certain extent. So we're going with a treble this week. So we lost out last week. So we're going back to a treble this week. And um, the treble this week is the Atlanta Falcons beat the Panthers. I think we're all we're all happy enough with that. The 49ers beat the Bears, with the exception of Colin. Colin, you're overruled. And Mark, you've been overruled because I know you went with your heart. And any other day of the week, if you're doing this in the morning and not the evening, you probably would be picking <clears throat> the charges against the Patriots. So the treble this week is paying three to one, which isn't a bad price for a treble. The Atlanta Falcons. San Francisco 49ers, the LA Chargers. We've we've had six weeks of bets and we've won four, so we're on a reasonably good roll. That's the treble this week. Thanks to our friends at Matchbook for supporting us on the show and providing us with some money to spend as part of the show. And uh, yeah, please do bet responsibly. Uh, yes, bet responsibly. But more importantly as well, boys, look at some of these odds for me. I like the over in this Titans Colts game. The over is fifty-one. I like it. I I like it. I'm just putting it out there. And what's so good about the exchanges? You can set your odds, and somebody can challenge you to that. So have a look at the exchange, boys. If you're unsure of how to go onto it, there's some great videos on there. Aiden and the lads from Matchbook will explain how to do it. As as Brian said as well, eighteen plus. Please bet responsibly. But if you're gonna have a bit of crack, take our bet as well. So who's the free teams game, Brian? Check your phone. The, the 49ers, the Falcons, and the Chargers. Lovely. Lovely. 
Thank you very much. And again, thanks so much to Matchbook for your support. £15, 15 yo-yos. Welcome offer. Use code Irish NFL Show. Sign up today. You have to deposit at least £25 or euros and place your first bet. And if it loses, they will refund your stake as cold, hard cash. Uh, Halloween on Sunday. A scary game in prospect with the five and one Dallas Cowboys. Six and one because they're going to beat the they're going to beat the Broncos next week. Going up against the Minnesota Vikings, who are three and three. Uh, this game is at US Bank US Bank Stadium. Colin, you've been there. How cold is Minnesota? Um, Minnesota was cold, but that stadium is unbelievable. Um, really, really beautiful stadium. It's going to be a fascinating game. I mean, what it comes down to, I think, in, in large ways, is Dak and whether Dak starts. And if I was the Cowboys, I'd be really hesitant because I just think, why take any risk with that calf? If if they lose against the Vikings, they, they're still 5-2 and two and they're still very much alive. But if Dak's calf goes and they lose Dak for six weeks that's huge um and he has himself uh, i know that um the last update i saw was that he was sore after ramping up intensity on thursday and he said he wouldn't have the final say because it was more than just one game so there seems to be recognition from the cowboys there that they do need to to be careful with it they're also going up against the best pass rush in the league um, the, the Vikings are serious about getting to the QB, and that's helped their their secondary. What will be one to watch also look is Diggs against Jefferson. Um, Diggs with seven interceptions, he's on a hot streak. It, it's very difficult to keep that going season after season, but during a season, certainly it, it has been done. You could be looking at him. And the, it's huge risk reward because he can give up enormous chunk plays. We saw that, um, you know, against the Patriots, probably most obviously, but he will always endeavor to, to make a play. So you might get a pick six or you might get 50 yards off him. Um, it's high risk, high reward. I am really fascinated to see how he does against uh, Jefferson. Cousins has been playing really well, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, and the Vikings, they can beat anyone, they can lose to anyone. If the Vikings played vintage 49ers under Joe Montana, I think they'd play them close. Um, equally, if they played the 0-16 Lions, I think they'd play them close because that's what these Vikings teams need to do. Um, well, uh, I talked about from that from the past. But they, that's what they, they do. They just play teams close. They seem to play to the level of, of whoever they're playing. If Dak, and I think the Cowboys would be silly to risk him, I'm going to say that they don't play him, and therefore I think the Vikings get the victory on Sunday Night Football. I was going to touch on how strong this Vikings defense has been this season, in particular how poor they were last year, and I keep reflecting back to that game on Christmas Day where Kamara scored six touchdowns, and it looked like Zimmer's son was going to be sacked as defensive coordinator, but he managed to hold on to his job. And in fairness, they've turned it around. I think they're second most Saxons in the league. I'm going to take you back to a game in 1982, Michael, the first Monday night football game of the season, in the shortened season after the lockout. And Tony Dorsett ran for a 99-yard touchdown for the Cowboys. Well, we're going to see something similar on Sunday, except there won't be the Cowboys running back. It'll be Dalvin Cook, because he's going to run all over this Cowboys defense. 
The Vikings won three of the last four games, and you could argue they should have won two games at the start of the season where they lost some to a field goal to the Bengals, and they should have beaten the Arizona Cardinals. And then we'd have a very different picture of how we feel this Vikings team is. Potentially, you picked them to win the division. Maybe that won't be the case, but they look like they're a strong side to go towards a wild card. Unusual to see two teams coming off a bye. I can't recall the last time I've seen a game where both teams are playing each other coming off a bye week. So I don't think there's any real advantage there. Um, I hadn't even touched on the Dak thing. Even if Dak plays, I'm convinced the Vikings are going to win this game. The Vikings have a, a knack of losing games that we ought to not say we expect them to win, but they lose tough games where they have the game there for them. This week, I think they're going to overcome that. I think they're going to beat this Cowboys team. Um, Tony Dorsett, Derek Henry, I think, are the yeah. only two players who've had 99-yard runs. So Brian O'Leary's called his shot there. For the third time in NFL history, we're going to see a 99-yard run. Yeah. Um, this week. And it's you're know, late watching it, Mark. The clocks go back, quarter past 20 past 12, kickoff. Someone's going to work on Monday morning outside of our living room. So someone's we're going to be watching the game in less than 24 hours now, gents, is what I want to emphasize <laughs> as well. But uh, if if that shot is called and is dead right, Brian, fair, fair play is what I'll say. Fair play. Um, look, it, it does revolve around Dak. I mean, this the Cowboys offense has been the most dynamic in the league. Frankly, it has been absolutely on fire, absolutely fantastic um, ever since the opening game against the Bucks. So they have been well on fire. And the question is, if Dak plays, it's one offense. And obviously, if Dak doesn't play, we saw what happened last year and how they performed. Um, a very different environment altogether. So... Look, that's key. There's a couple of reunion claxons that could go off again on Michael on this one. Mike Zimmer, obviously, going back to the Cowboys. He worked there for 13 years. Mike McCarthy knows the Vikings all too well from his time as the Green Bay Packers coach. So going up to Minnesota will not be an unusual occurrence or experience for him. Um, overall in the game, I'd love to call my pick dependent on Zach Dak's status. If he plays even at 80%, 90%, I think the Cowboys have too much. Uh, without him playing, I think the Vikings have too many weapons. But like I said, this is the team I don't want. This is the worst. This is the game that just don't ever let me put any money anywhere near. Because I've said it before, you never can bet on the Cowboys because who knows what you're going to get. And you can definitely never bet on the Vikings. So just don't put any money from you know any way, shape or form on this game. That's my gamble aware message for everybody. Overall... Screw it. I'll go with the Vikings. I'll assume Dak doesn't play. They keep him safe for one more week. And Cousins, Cook and Co. have enough to handle the Cowboys. Hmm. Just from, like, it's it's very, very difficult at this point. And it wouldn't matter if the show went out at 12 o'clock tomorrow or whenever. It's very difficult to see if Dak Press is going to play or not. If I'm the Cowboys, I'm honestly taking a look at next week and going, yeah, let's, let's, let's keep Dak for another week. Let's just keep him for another week to see the crack. Uh, I think that Dak won't play, and because of that, and thank you, Fred, by the way, as well. Honestly, though, I, I think the Vikings will win. I don't see a 99-yard touchdown happening, but uh, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? I think the Cowboys will lose a game, but <clears throat> they basically have a bye week next week, and uh, they look really good. I heard Richard Graves talking on Jeff Reinbold's show last night, and I've never heard somebody as high on a team, and it shows you Richard's been through it for 20 or 30 years with that team. He believes in this team and the Cowboys could be a very interesting prospect going forward um, down the stretch. Have we any final words, Colin? We'll start with you. Obviously, one year in. 
Uh, yeah, look, it's uh, been it's been a great year. Um, so many, so many re- great moments. But I think just seeing fans kind of come together, we knew that there was a huge appetite in Ireland for uh, the NFL, and to see that can grow and continue to grow over the last year has been um, really fantastic. And to get to meet with. Uh, so many people at the the meetups and in in London has been really enjoyable as well. So just looking forward to to what the the future holds. But yeah, just look an absolutely fantastic uh, year and look forward to many. Yeah, it's look, it's been a fantastic year. I recall when we started out, we did it the first few weeks, we were just doing Sundays only or the weekend show only. And then we said, Look, sure, look, let's do a Monday night episode. And we were blown away by the numbers that came on in terms of the audience. And then we said, Sure, why not? Let's give Thursday night a go. And then the numbers were, were really high for Thursday night. And then it just continuously progressed. And then we were fortunate enough to have so many great guests on. And look, this team, look, we all love the sport. And the people who watch, the people who come to the shows, and the people that were. We caught up with in London and in Dublin and in Belfast. Also, they love NFL as much as we do, and that's what it's why it's so enjoyable to us. It's it doesn't it's not a chore for us. We love we love talking NFL. We love snagging each other over our teams, and ultimately, that's what it's all about. Just the enjoyment of it all. Yeah, Michael. Thank over you, a year, I think I wanted to murder nice you time. when we did nearly thirty hours of shows for the Super Bowl week. I wanted to murder you with the idea of doing a live show for the NFL draft that went on till five o'clock in the morning. And tonight, now after two hours and twenty minutes on a Saturday night, um, you know, there's been ups, there's been downs, there's certainly been excitement at times on the Irish NFL show. But it's like we quite happily could do this probably for another two hours if. Um, we wanted to get divorced. Uh, but the point is that uh, it's always great. It's always great talking football with you guys. One final point in terms of football context, Brian's talking about 99 yards. As I said, there's been two 99-yard run plays. Uh, Monday Night Football, we're going to talk about that, obviously, <laughs> soon. And that's going to be exciting. <clears throat> there's been 13 times there's been a 99-yard pass play. And if I recall correctly, the last time it ever occurred was a Giants completion eli manning to victor cruz oh yeah so maybe it doesn't happen in the cowboys vikings game maybe it happens on monday night football instead through the air you never know interesting oh, monday night game giants going up against that weak chiefs team that are struggling in the division you know struggling struggling in the division and patrick mahomes seems to be struggling at life at the minute because his wife and brother won't get off TikTok. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that game Monday. I'm looking forward to talking to you boys about the Sunday action, boys. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that Chiefs team can go and kick the Giants' ass because everyone expects them to, but will they is the question. But until then, boys, it has been uh, one year of the Irish NFL show and we are delighted to everyone's watching the show live tonight, 2,000 people. Enjoy week eight of the season. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you on Monday night live happy, 10 o'clock. Happy Halloween. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget the clocks go back. Don't wake up tomorrow morning earlier. Don't forget it's me and Mark will be out trick or treating tomorrow evening. <laughs> phone will be, the phone will be off. I'll be watching the lake. Okay. On that note, Good night, boys. boys. Good night. God it's longer fun. It's longer fun. What are you talking about? So Add 27 photos to this sound and let it sink.